0: how fun was Christmas as a kid? I mean, that's even an expression, right? Happier than a kid on Christmas or whatever. But man, once you become an adult, those responsibilities just start piling up. You got to start worrying about time off and how much time you're going to work and when the kids are in school and when they're out of school and how we're traveling here and what hotel we're staying at and do we need a flight and it gets expensive. And then you've got all the extra added stress of, oh, I got to hang this light and I got to put up this tree and then we got to wrap the presents, but most importantly, the financial stress of we got to buy all of these presents. Don't put Christmas on a credit card. Hurry to save with Conrad.com. We want to make sure that you hit 2022 the way you planned on ahead of the game. Don't go overspend and kick the can down the road and make it one of your new year's resolutions next year where you say, well, I guess this year I'm going to try to get out of debt and save money. Do it right now. All the experts are predicting that interest rates are going to rise next year. Don't take my word for it. Throw it in your Google machine. But here's what's happened in the last two years. All of a sudden, your house is probably worth more than ever. Why not use some of your newfound equity to get the best interest rate you've ever had while we've still got them? Get rid of your PMI. That, in and of itself, might save you two or three hundred bucks. And at the same time, get rid of all your credit card debt just like that. If you can hear my voice and you're in a 30-year loan, if you've got a second mortgage, if you've got credit card debt, if you've got a car loan, you owe it to yourself to just get a quick quote right now at SaveWithConrad.com. Oh, and how's this for starters? Your single biggest bill, you know, your house payment, you won't have to make that in December or January. You're done until February 1st. You get a two-month break from your single biggest bill right here during the holidays. That's going to get you the cash you need to not put Christmas on a credit card. And that credit card debt, it'll be gone forever thanks to savewithconrad.com. Go read some of our five-star reviews all for yourself. Type this into your browser right now, c-o-n-r-a-d-reviews.com, conradreviews.com. See what our actual customers are saying about the process and their experience. It's almost five stars across the board. And then hurry to savewithconrad.com. Get yourself a quick quote. Find out how much money you can save for free. We're routinely helping our podcast listeners save five, six, seven, even 800 bucks a month. Heck, the other day, we helped a guy save more than $1,100 a month. I want to be clear. He didn't save $1,100 one time. He's saving it this month, next month, the month after that, all because he went to savewithconrad.com. And you can do it too. You don't need perfect credit. You don't need money out of your pocket. And if we can't save you some money, we won't waste your time. But right here during the holidays, what are you waiting for? Make this the best Christmas ever. Let's be like kids on Christmas and not have the financial stress of worrying about what are we going to do? You're going to get out of debt faster and with cheaper monthly payments than you ever thought possible because you went to SaveWithConrad.com. NMLS number 65084, Equal Housing Lender. That's SaveWithConrad.com.
1: 2022 is upon us and conrad thompson's team is hitting the road royal rumble weekend join us at the historic south broadway athletic club in st louis saturday january 29th for our first ever hall of fame super show as my world's jeff Jarrett in 83 weeks eric bischoff bring you stories you won't hear anywhere else Tickets for the Hall of Fame Super Show start at 39 dollars And if you really want to get granular, you can purchase a VIP pass for an exclusive meet-and-greet, merch, and much more. For full event information, head over to ericandjefflive.com or Jeff and jeffandericlive.com.
0: Get even more from the hottest new podcast going my world with Jeff Jarrett over at adfreeshows.com. Let me get granular here for a minute, folks. Not only can you get the entire My World episode library with zero ads. New episodes come your way each week early, ad-free, and on video starting at just 9 bucks a month. We've also got tons of exclusive My World bonus content waiting for you, plus unique interactive experiences with your old pal, Double J. You get to jump on and ask Jeff questions. And if you joined us in Chicago this year for Top Guy Weekend, you got to hang out the entire weekend. Just recently, we sat down with Robbie the Highlander to clear the air on what really happened that night at the TNA taping in Orlando. We also had Jeff join fellow WWE Hall of Famer and ad free partner Eric Bischoff to watch Kenny Omega and Brian Danielson's very first match, and even talked with Tony Falk about breaking into the wrestling business. And how about this? There's only one place to get all this exclusive content and experiences, and that's by strutting over to adfreeshows.com right now where you get my world and all of my podcasts early and ad-free on video for as Noah's $9 a month. That's just 30 cents an episode, 100% the best value in all of wrestling. Stroll on over to adfreeshows.com right now to sign up.
2: Flat nut,
0: flat nut. Hey, hey, it's Conrad Thompson, and you're listening to my world. And of course we couldn't do it without the hall of famer, your friend and mine, double J Jeff Jarrett, Jeff, how are you, man? Oh,
3: Conrad Thompson doing well, doing well, lots of, uh, man, as we come to a close here, 2021 roll tide, roll tide, independent wrestling is rocking and rolling, had some shows. We got us a new show to kick off in uh, 2022. We'll get to that. I'm sure. But, uh, had a little baseball deal last week. Um, tell you what my world is, uh, you know what Conrad, I went to dinner in Springfield, Illinois, speaking of my minor league baseball, uh, had, uh, a guy stop by the table and, uh, we chatted up my world and I will tell you this. Do you know what he did to me when he left the table after we had chatted and everything and all this, he gave me the, uh, four fingers. Oh four. God. I Red, I kid you not. <laughs> I kid you not.
0: You know what that was though? That was him identifying all the different promotions you've killed or factions. <laughs> killed the NWO. Killed the Bullet Club. Killed the Main Event Mafia. Hey,
3: I, yeah, you are so wrong. You are such a liar. I was never in the Main Event Mafia. I was created behind that, but I wasn't in the Mafia. So there you go. Well, See, you're such a liar across the board. If I would ever get you on the stand and cross-examine you, I would be, I'd be a, a, a you. I would convince you that I'm a four horseman.
0: No, first of all, you weren't. Let's just run through this. If you had the debate whether or not you were on the Alabama Crimson Tide, you weren't. Either you were or you weren't. And
3: I was the four horseman. Yes.
0: No, the, it, there shouldn't even be a debate. We we let our fans, our listeners, vote and they said you were not. Now, let's move <laughs> That's on. That's total BS. No, that happened. We did a poll and you lost. Oh, okay. Well, let, let me let me ask if you,
3: you know this. On Twitter it's true, right?
0: Well, I mean, I'm just saying there is a WWE D V D out there about the Horsemen and every one of the important members of that
3: faction.com.
0: Categorically deny that you were on there. Let's talk about something, two things. Wait.
3: Can we Who take a nice. Ric Flair, you, Arn Anderson, no, every- no, 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 no. I think even Jr validated this and, and, and your words, Jr. My arch enemy, he validated it.
0: Jr. Wasn't edge. even there. He was on the other show. He wasn't watching bullshit. Nitro
3: the voice of our childhood Monday and night. Raw. Gonna, yeah. Yeah, that's right. Jr. He is one of the most esteemed not just personalities, but human beings in this industry going back decades and decades and decades. And he said I was a full horseman. So how do you want to argue with, with J R
0: are you trying to suck up for, for a new gig in AEW? Is that what you're doing right now? <laughs> because every time I log online, they think that me, you and Eric are starting a wrestling promotion.
3: That's the craziest thing as well. See, it's you doing your silly little gifts. I had people in, in Walker Shaw, uh, 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 Great show Dave hero and buddies. And, uh, got to see my old friend, Dave, and Nelson there, but, uh, Hey, Shannon Moore, he asked me about it. And I said, pet damn Conrad Thompson and his silly gifts and starting to buzz and, and then the people on that free team retweeting some stuff. I'm like, guys, what the heck is going I mean, cause on? Cause here's the
0: thing. We're definitely not starting a wrestling promotion.
3: <laughs> <Conrad>. Um, <laughs> Jeff, uh, a little side note check the video content as Conrad said that because he's just stirring it up even more.
0: No, who me? (laughs) Anyway, can we talk about baseball for a minute? I mean, that came out of left field for a lot of people. They're like, wait a minute. I knew Jeff ran wrestling shows at baseball stadiums, but why is he at this press conference for this baseball team? What in the
3: world's going on, Jeff Jarrett? All right. At the press conference, Jamie Tool. My partner, he is the uh, chief storyteller, but he's the CEO of Capital City Baseball, which is the organization that I'm now a part of. A little backstory, 2018, December, Las Vegas, um, were the winter meetings of baseball. And, uh, you know, I go back, I don't know, off and on for, I don't say ever since my career started, but 20 something years, maybe longer than that. Like you said, I've done wrestling shows, uh, at minor league baseball stadiums. I've thrown out the first pitch anyway, parney, my good friend up in Richmond. I've got a lot of contacts, uh, here in town, Nashville, anyway, all across the country. One of my good buds is a team owner look. I don't want to get all too in the weeds with that, but long story short in 2018 winter meetings, Jamie, uh, was coming out of the trade show area and he goes, Hey, you're Jeff chair. I said, how you doing, sir? And we just struck up a conversation and as opposed to, a "Hi, nice to meet you 10 second, 15, 10 or 15 second conversation, we ended up having, I don't know, 10 or 15 minute conversation. And we struck up our friendship right there. So, um, we've remained in contact and, and, uh, Jamie was, uh, his latest gig in baseball was a GM down in, uh, Florida uh, and, uh, he had an opportunity, minor league baseball doing a enormous, there is no such thing as MILB as an organization, major league took it over. So they went from about 180 teams down to 120 teams. They're probably going to keep restricting as a pro- part of this process. There's a lot of markets that are open and restructuring. And Jamie got the uh, opportunity through, um, I'll say the, the pandemic, uh, and uh, to take ownership uh, of this club in Springfield, the capital of Illinois. And um, there's a team called Savannah Bananas. Uh, there's a team called Making Bacon that are minor league teams. And when I tell you, Conrad, it really is professional wrestling meets baseball because it's great baseball on the field. Um, but what they do in between innings, before games, after games, I'll just say it has an enormous part of entertainment. So, um and I, I keep saying it's the best example. My world listeners, if you want to Google something to get a little taste of where we're headed, uh, Google Savannah bananas, because, um, me and Jamie, uh, you know, Jamie reached out. Uh, he is a, my world listener. Uh, but we just started having conversations and he said, Hey man, I want you to be a part of this organization. You know, you're a third generation promoter. Uh, you promote sports entertainment. Um, you know we're not asking you to figure out what players to get and balls and strikes and ground outs and any of that but bring entertainment and so um we went through the process uh and i just it, conrad truly it's an opportunity i could not pass up um you know it's a 30 35 games home games but they've got the stadium 365 days a year so we're going to be bringing concerts and festivals and maybe a podcast at the plate and um, maybe some like Nitro Circus, different kind of events up there, uh, festivals. We're going to do all kinds of things when the home team uh, is on the road, but during the games, which is the most important, we're going to be filling that stadium and having a lot of fun. And it's, again, I would have never dreamed. Conrad, tell you what you just got that Midas touch because when I sort of made the decision said, okay, what is 2021 going to look like? My world came online. my little baseball came online. There's some stuff you're going to be hearing that I'm doing with a video gaming company. I formed a partnership with some heavy hitters. I'll release that, uh, coming up. Um, but man, just, uh, does that answer your question? Minor league baseball, Springfield. The current name is Sliders, but we're actually in the process. What are you going to name the team, Jeff? Or what are we going to name the team? We're going to get into the community and find out. So Capital City Baseball is the transition, but that's the name of the uh, organization. But uh, yeah, that's uh, that's it. We're hoping to have the rebrand sort of complete by February. So that's all the updates for now. So you we said kicked it all with a press conference.
0: And you said all of that to say you're playing shortstop, right? <laughs>
3: Well, I'm actually, you know, me, I'm going to add a, you know, I'm changing everything, changing the rules. I'm going to, sh- you know, I, I killed the first team. So I, I know you got to get that in there. Um, I, I got to get in there the Four life and four horsemen and it's too sweet. And I, you just work it in here. I know you do, but and,
0: and so you, what, you can hit guys over the head with guitars, the whole deal. Right. Like when you're rounding yeah. the bases, just whack them. There you go. <laughs> it's new rules. Uh, let's talk about, uh, so stay tuned by the way. Um, give your social handles again. I think it's real Jeff Jarrett. Do I have that right?
3: Yes. At real Jeff Jarrett, Twitter, Instagram, Facebook. Uh, the website is real Jeff which has everything about my world and everything that, uh, that is applicable.
0: The rumor and innuendo is that you should stay tuned there for some updates about all things, baseball. And I'm wondering on those social handles, what type of feedback did you get? off of last week's episode, where we talked about when you joined Russo's WCW. Uh, just, uh, catch everybody up last week. We talked about when you jumped on a plane, having held up Vince McMahon, debuted with WCW and carried it through your first big pay-per-view there. So sort of your first 30 some odd days in Russo's vision of WCW. It was a wild episode. What sort of feedback did you get?
3: <sighs> trying to think you know, cause I was in Springfield most of the week last week. And then I went up to Wisconsin. I, here's the feedback I got to try to put it in a nutshell. I don't want to get into each individual one, but you know, Conrad, I'm curious to see if you, you, uh, well, no, cause I lived it. You didn't, you're, you're, you we're, we're, we're revisiting this together more than anything. I think the byline would be, oh, wow. I forgot all that happened. Yeah. That's not such a good thing No, because everything ran together and, oh, wow, this and that. And that's why when I talked to the ad-free team, I don't know exactly when the Tanae gu- gu- guitar shot took place, but I do remember walking out in Detroit at the Palace, that Nitro, and there was, you know, eight guys, uh, and then they did some other things, but I think there was a J.J. But anyway, they stood up in the arena and had the big sign, slap nuts. And that was, like, literally sort of the first eight, 10 weeks. We probably went a bit too far, but the ad free guys go, Oh yeah, we've got that gif of you hitting today with the guitar. And you know, I didn't know Mike real well. And so I'm back in the company, uh, what a month or two. I knew him in 96, but anyway, I'm hitting him with the guitar, but it was a, a lot of stuff that just all ran together. That's the feedback I got. And we revisited it and broke it down and got granular. And, uh, but yeah, that, that that's the feedback. <laughs> Well, I, uh, I really
0: enjoyed it. You know, we've given you so many looks here on this show so far, and that's the reason we were the assistant manager to the best new podcast of the year. Of course, uh, Jeff Jarrett can never break through that glass ceiling in the WWF. He was the perennial intercontinental champion. I feel like that's where we are with best new podcasts. Hey, you know what though? One a ain't that bad. I'm not going to say we're number two, but either way, the point is we've given you a lot of looks, you know, we've talked about your early days and breaking in. And we've talked about creating TNA from, from scratch. And not a lot of folks even have the opportunity to tell that story of how you start a wrestling company from scratch, walking out on vents, some, some WWF stuff, uh, the loss of Owen Hart's so, uh, a, a lot of WCW stuff, the start of the WCW thing, the whole silliness of was Jeff a horseman or not, not that it matters. He never did anything of consequence as a horseman. Um, but uh, still the, this is my, maybe my, my favorite podcast to do right now, simply because we're all over the place. You know, you get to talk about right. putting the wrestler hat on, and then you get to talk about putting the promoter hat on and, you know, starting your own thing. WWF WCW we're all over the place. And today we're landing on turning point 2006. This is an interesting time in TNA. And I, I think King and story is just fascinating And I know a lot of our listeners, Jeff, I don't know that you've even seen this feedback, but a lot of our listeners say, Hey, I never watched TNA, but I love hearing the stories about TNA. I'm hearing that a lot. Interesting.
3: Very interesting. Um, yeah. So you said we were all over the place from my full horseman years to my NWO years, We haven't got to my bullet club years. I hope we um, never do really.
0: That was a dark point.
3: (laughs) But you know, there's a guy in the dressing room that came up to me the other night. I'll leave him nameless. He's like, "I, I know you, it's like, I know you and Conrad like to, you know, jab each other, but like there's, there's some like legitimate discomfort. And I looked at him and I go, now let me ask you something. You do realize and you and I told him, I said, you do listen, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Every week, every episode. I know it drops on to okay. You do realize that that backstory of me watching The Last Dance and Conrad and, that I was on their very first live show, Bruce, and you know, the conversation. I said, but it is a business partnership. Yeah. And I said, So do you think I want to be in business continually with a guy that I, I really don't like? Well, yeah, but Let's talk about that research episode. I said, okay, so we had a disagreement, but I, I don't carry that with me to this day. So it's fascinating. The the world of wrestling is just so fascinating. I agree. Times I
0: agree.
3: That me and you have been around a while. I'm third generation. But <laughs> I say this because I'm in this bucket. I'm not, I'm not look, I'm pointing as many fingers at myself as others. So many times we believe Yes. Only what we want to believe, yep. regardless of the facts. It's just almost human nature. Oh, hey, Conrad. Whether you believe it or not, I was a four horseman. But no, I'm kidding. But Conrad, I don't. I don't want to get back on four horseman. Do you agree with that? That that the business no. is unique. But we believe what we want to believe. I don't and even. I don't even think that's
0: that. unique to wrestling. I think people believe okay. what they want to believe all the time. Like, yeah, okay, I agree. And we thank them for sponsoring today's podcast. You know, there's a, there's a a group of, uh, I have my own group of haters. I don't know if you've ever seen some of that online, but you know, they they say, oh, Conrad's a money Mark. And like, I don't run every business on a P and L like, it's just, it's a totally different what I don't care. You know, whatever. Jeff wasn't a four horseman. I'm a money Mark roll tide. Who gives a shit? (laughs) The, The point is, uh, I, I know the Jeff Jarrett that you guys don't see. And there's a group of guys, you know, wrestling is really made up of a band of brothers. And there is a group of guys who know who Jeff Jarrett really is. What's that John Wooden quote? Uh let, let me let me make sure I get this right. Um there's a pretty good one out there about
3: uh, you know, I'm a quote guy and John Wooden, pyramid of success. Shout out to Coach Rosie. I'm sure that he is dialed completely in. But the pyramid of success of John Wooden—if folks would get that and really look at that—my gosh, there's so much wisdom in that. That is applicable not just in sports in life.
0: Hey, if you'll you shut up, way. I'm trying to put you over. <laughs> shut up! Damn. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching. Oh, and, and 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 I've had the pleasure of seeing who Jeff Jarrett really is. And I know that a lot of people listening to this have formed their, and a lot of people not listening to this have formed their opinion of who Jeff Jarrett is based on something they read or something they saw on TV. But I've seen Jeff handle situations and take care of his family and his friends and this band of brothers in a way that only a handful of people really understand, because it's not cool to talk about that and it's private and nobody should know about it. But I want to read that quote again from John Wooden. The true test of a man's character is what he does when no one is watching and people are still paying attention to what Jeff Jarrett is doing behind the scenes and to affect real lives, not just entertainment, not just ha ha. And Jeff Jarrett's a good dude, but on this show, I mean, I'm going to punch him every chance I get. That's what we're doing. We're trying to entertain you. But in real life, (laughs) we feel that way about each other. Like every time Jeff's in Alabama, he stays at my house and I'm going to be at Jeff's house this Thursday and. We're real life friends guys, but here, this is how we treat our friends.
3: (laughs) Of course. Yes. So I'm so glad that you finally admitted that I liked you or whatever. No,
0: that I can cook a turkey better than you. Let's see. Here we go with the nonsense
3: again. (laughs) Well, I can. And just for that, you're an Alabama fan and I want, I cannot wait to see dad Larry. I picked Bama going in this weekend. You were so much a fair weathered fan. No, wasn't. I just well, no, come no, on, no, come no. You. Can you honestly say that you thought they'd beat Georgia?
0: No. Here's the deal. Did I want them to beat Georgia? Absolutely. But I'm also a realist, Jeff. And when Alabama won the national title in '92, I thought, man, my dad told me how great they were my whole life, and now we've got a national championship. I feel lucky to have been able to see this. Then it happened again in nine and I thought man, we just beat Texas for the national champs. Like how lucky am I? I got to see two of these? This is the greatest moment in my fandom. And I would have been okay if we never won another game. I was a season ticket holder when man, Louisiana Monroe was taking us to the woodshed at home in Tuscaloosa. So, you know, with that context, I have always imagined since Oh nine cents, you know, all that time, man, we're playing with house money. And slippers falling off. I I, I hear you. So it's just like this this cannot continue. All good things must come to an end. I mean, Saban, we're not going to freeze him cryogenically or something like this is going, the wheels are going to come off. And so I'm not doubting my team. I'm just saying we have been blessed in such a way where it's like, man, if we don't win another game, I'm okay with it. I'm still an Alabama fan. What a run we've had. And it just felt like, damn. This is probably Georgia's time. Look how dominant they've been. And I was wrong. So you were right. You, you are this betting guru. You said you were,
3: I was wrong. <laughs> culture culture. I had a budget. I'll say this. I had not as much, but I had a lot of feedback online, but I got more texts, um, into Saturday night, uh, at the show about the Alabama and, and all that. And I, you know, what's amazing here in Conrad, just before we roll tape, you talked about a little bit about your day-to-day business, but it's the culture that's set. And I just think, look, Georgia, I'm not saying they got better players or worse players, but I just think Saban sets that culture. And and until that culture goes away, they're going to not just win. I, I just think when it gets right down to it, That slipper's not going to fall. I I just don't see it. The culture is there. They knew they could win. Well, they didn't have any lucky breaks, so to speak. Do you think Saturday night now I didn't get to watch it play by play? No, I,
0: I think Saturday came down to a wrestling angle. Right? So it's like, um, Georgia was the champ coming in. I know technically Alabama won last year, but they're undefeated. They're ranked number one and in wrestling. It's not the champ's job to beat the challenger. The challenger has to beat the champ. Yep. And really what was, what's the fallout of Georgia losing on Saturday, they lost and they're still in the playoff. So there were no real stakes. Alabama had to win it's win or go home. And, and, and Georgia could lose and be fine. I do not want to play Georgia a second time. I'm glad we got Cincinnati because you know, we needed an off week. So that'll be cool. And. (laughs) And I would be tickled to play Michigan because I think beating the same team twice in the same year is a tall ask. So I I agree. I would like to play Michigan if I, if I get my way, but let's talk about you not getting your way because it's not going to happen on January 29th. I'll tell you that now go get your tickets right now. It's a hall of fame, super show. It's happening Royal rumble weekend in St. Louis, the same day as the Royal rumble. Come on down to the South Broadway athletic club, where I believe Randy Orton had his very first match. It's actually the home of the second ever live. Something to wrestle. We'll be back with Eric Bischoff headlining. And of uh, course, uh, Jeff Jarrett will be there too. get your tickets right now at Eric and Jeff wait, wait, are- wait, wait, Eric and Jeff live.com? Yeah. That's what we decided on. Who's we. Uh, well, the people who actually do work for our organization. So myself, oh, okay. Dave so Silva,
3: you're happy to be my partner. Now you just took the, you took the ball out of my hands. No, no, Is no, no, Eric?
0: you and Arn Anderson and Jr and Tony, Chimot, y'all are talent. Okay. But then <laughs> behind the scenes, you know, the people who are actually doing the heavy lifting, I, and here's the thing, I think you're butthurt hurt because Eric Bischoff's a bigger star and he created the NWO and you killed the NWO or what have you, but. I mean, Eric Bischoff was a real innovator. He beat Vince McMahon, not once, not twice, but 83 weeks in a row. And I'm still waiting to hear how many times
3: you beat Vince. So Eric and Jeff live.com. I three fifty-seven 57 I beat him for sure. Has Eric ever walked out with a fat check ever? No,
0: no. Okay. Well, in fairness, I'll give you that. So maybe they just went alphabetically with Eric and Jeff
3: live.com. Are you going to argue that the J comes before the E? Well, I can, uh, they look, we get into another language. I'll figure that out. Somehow <laughs> <laughs> I can rationalize it any way you want pal, but it, it so I'm like uh, card subject to change that I've been joking about online. Um, and I'm like, um, and others like it's, it's, it's Eric and others. Is that sort of the motif? We're headed down this, Buddy, this road. You, your name
0: is in the show. It's it's Eric and Jeff It's right there.
3: <sighs> they need to go get another URL.
0: Well, what would it be? Let me guess. Jeff and Eric live.com.
3: Jeff and Eric Oh, it's my God. has got a ring to it. Look, you're a marketing guy. It just because, look, are you just going to go, oh, because well, we got to go by the alphabet. Oh, got to go by the alphabet? no, you got to have something that just rolls off the tongue. If you say Jeff and Eric.com. Jeff and
0: Eric well, Much better. Why, why don't you just type it in your web browser right now? Just type it in. Do, do, do type it in right now, live. I want you to react to this. I've got
3: my screen up. i will we'll pull it, I it out on
0: your phone. Here we go. Type it on your phone. Jeff. No, no, not Jeff. Eric and JeffLive.com. And I want you to see. Even though Eric gets top billing on the domain, your picture's first. Like left to right, which is the way we read here in America, left to right. Jeff Jarrett's picture is listed first. He's the curtain jerker. The main events on the right, Eric Bischoff. There it is right there. Top dog, top billing,
3: At Right.com. the lead horse,
0: Eric and Jeff live.com. By the way, they're going to be here talking about the greatness of WCW 96, 97, the behind the scenes role that Jerry Jarrett played in WCW. Why Jeff came to WCW 96. Why he left in 97. And what the hell happened to WCW after October of 99. Of course, they're also going to share some opinions and some stories that they can't tell here on the podcast about TNA. And I'm going to push both of you guys to uh, sort of spill the beans about your most recent run in WWE, but maybe Mm. the best part of this it's interactive. You guys get to ask them anything you want. Is Jeff Jarrett really starting a promotion. What does Eric really think of AEW is Jeff, even on speaking terms with Dixie Tickets are on sale now, Eric and Jeff doors open at two P for VIP, where you'll get the uh, best seats in the house. You'll get a special piece of swag. You can't buy anywhere else. Pictures with both guys, an autograph date by 10. Plus the guys will sign any item of your choosing that starts at two o'clock. The show starts at three will be done by five. The pre-show for the Royal rumble is 2.4 miles away and it starts at six 30. So. You'll have an hour and a half to get 2.4 miles for the pre-show. So you're still two hours away from the main show starting. So why not make it a whole rumble day? It's Saturday, January 29th. We're going to get kicked off there at two o'clock for VIP. The show starts at three and tickets are on sale now at Eric and Jeff I'm
3: excited. We're having a lot of fun. We had fun over the weekend and joking around, but it's going to be a good little dynamic. I, I'm, uh, as, as a promoter cap, you said wearing a bit different caps. I, I think there's, uh, uh, yes, we can always create sizzle, but you got to have steak. And I think it, it's, it's, it's funny because me and Eric have really had some type of business working relationship since 96. Yeah. That's, that's 25 years. Um, him hiring my father. You've already hit it all. I won't go into that, but, uh, the TNA years and candidly look and me and there, Eric, at some point we'll really get into this, but I don't think he understood, or maybe they did. It's a good question to talk about. But when he walked into TNA, uh, in, in a lot of ways, and I think they came to find out, uh, we were, um, on the other side of the fence, so to speak, but on an internal situation. So, there's some good stuff and then the Hall of Fame and then when Eric got hired and came to Stanford and we were on the jet together and car services and Smackdowns and Rawls and all of that. So yeah, a lot of ground to cover That's two hours is gonna be we got to figure out how to keep it tight. Well, and here's what we're going
0: to be doing. we can tell stories in a live format that we can't hear because we yeah. record something here and we put it on the internet and it lives forever. Politically, there are things you can, or can't say, if you know, it's going to live forever, we are not recording the show. So if you're not in the house, you're not going to hear the show. Uh, you're not going to see the show. The only way to be there is to go ahead and pick up tickets right now at Eric and Jeff live.com. Uh, don't forget that's Eric and Jeff live.com. Uh, last month here on my world, we talked about Genesis from six, uh, which was the first pay-per-view really for you without You being on camera for TNA. So you've been the main, you know, the mainstay for a long time, but Genesis happened without Jeff Jarrett being a part of it, at least on camera. And the torch had this to say regarding one source saying that Jarrett has been deemed too busy and above mid card wrestlers. One mid card wrestler defends Jarrett telling the torch. I have nothing bad to say about him. He's always shown an interest in my personal life and never seems too busy to be cordial. He's been great. Jarrett has remained in charge backstage just as he was when he was an on-air presence between Jarrett, Vince Russo, and Dutch Mantell, an outsider observer stopping by the locker room. Wouldn't think he had more power than the other based on how they conduct themselves and how others react to them. So here we are, Jeff, we're 27 weeks in, and you have finally been given a compliment from the newsletter. So it took long <laughs> enough.
3: Oh man. Uh, he brought back good memories last week. Cause I do remember, uh, and we, we, you know, we, we discussed it in my professional life, having this opportunity for the first time in my career, I wasn't having to pack my bag when I left the house. And, you know, we, we during this era, we did creative at my house right downstairs. And no matter how much you would get in there and plan and, and, you know, prior to me, uh, taking a, uh, hiatus out of the ring, is that um, you know, again, we plan here at the house and literally when we go through the formats, our good buddy Rudy Charles, I mean, we would say, here, here's the producer. Dutch, you're gonna get this, Vince, you're gonna get that. And we just sort of had the divide and conquer on how we were gonna go produce the show. But inevitably, when you get there, talent gives feedback, we have questions, and then I've tried to prioritize and, and a lot of times Vince and Dutch, we would they would make the call, which I'm glad they said is we're not going to take it to Jeff. We're not going to take it to Jeff, especially when I had, you know, in-ring duties. Well, now was an opportunity that I was hands-on as much as possible. Uh, not saying they brought everything to me, but I really enjoyed it and, and tried to diversify Look, did we do everything right? Not in our wildest dreams, but today, I mean, when I was reviewing it and there's a boatload of research, but I mean, from, Brian and and Kip going to Stanford and the Bikini Contest and Kurt and Joe and just their in-ring abilities and being able, getting lucky to produce that kind of stuff. There was so much, it was a lot of fun. I thought there was a lot of good stuff going on. And they did a pan shot when I watched some of the research and you look at, um, and this isn't a knock or dig, but I just recently watched some AEW stuff from their stuff from Universal Studios. But did you watch clips from, the the turning point and, and the bikini contest, which we'll, we'll get into, but uh, some of the Joe and, and uh, uh, Kurt highlights the, the universal studios soundstage 21 massive, you know, every, you know, once we've sort of figured out the seating and all that kind of stuff, I I enjoyed this event. I'll just say this. I really enjoyed reviewing this event. I I could remember producing this event. Um, Look again, did we do everything right? No. But, but I felt it was a very entertaining, uh, pay-per-view. So I want to ask, you know, we're
0: on the heels of, um, Genesis and bound for glory, the two biggest TNA pay-per-views in history. Like they sold more than any other TNA shows ever did. Um, despite all the stuff that's going to come, all the big moments, all the big talent, they never sold as many pay-per-views as they did. in back-to-back months here. In hindsight, were those probably the two most profitable months, uh, in the, in company history up to that point,
3: you know, that'd be,
0: I know in the future, you're going to have TV deals and and all that jazz, but I mean, up to this point,
3: this has to be
0: riding as high as you ever did. Right.
3: You know, and did we have all the money in in the house, but, but, you know, I see what you mean. So it would have been months later. But but still I, I was trying to think though, even even with that being said, I don't I can't even imagine uh because we weren't quite two hours. Um no, I don't think so. No. Yes. So the, the short answer is it has to be because of the pay per view revenue, because our expenses didn't go up. You know, the impact zone was was by far our biggest expense. So yes, Conrad. Yes. Two most profitable ones. Uh
0: so we're coming off um that big show, the big pay-per-view Genesis. And there's some tidbits from the observer. I think I should at least mention quote, Kevin Nash has been telling friends, he's eyeing Jim Cornette's role as the figurehead commissioner. There is the feeling that Cornette won't last long-term unless Vince Russo doesn't last long-term. So we talked a little bit about the Cornette Russo drama last month, but this is a new wrinkle. Did you ever hear that Kevin might be interested in being the on-air commissioner?
3: Kevin, I mean look was he interested sure if it came available Kevin wanted to be engaged he came and we're going to get into some of this his drug testing of the exhibition <laughs> I, I, I to this day still chuckle about it but no it he Kevin was not jockeying per se for cornet's job because Kevin's role is not a complete authority figure because of his humor and I, I say this he he knew that that he could probably contribute more but he certainly would have stepped in and done that role. Had we asked Kevin was 70 miles from his house. He could drive over, pick up a payday and contribute to a, at this point, a, a really young brand. Let's, uh,
0: let's also talk about the undercard. This is reported in the newsletters quote. There's more undercard unhappiness than any time I can recall. A lot of the guys who are normally in good spirits have been mad about how they've been booked on television. Ron killings himself is still unhappy and was trying to get a release, but Terry Taylor told him they're not going to release him so he can go work for the competition. Do you remember some, some talent being unhappy with creative, or is this just par for course of working in the wrestling business?
3: Working. I mean, it always ebbed and flowed because you're always trying to do that battling and, and Conrad we've had these discussion specifically over the last what 90 days is that ring product is without question vital but you also have to have story. So you got to have sizzle and steak and that, that that balance that is never quite perfect and produced in a one hour show weekly, but having to basically a, a pay-per-view between seven and nine matches, sometimes 10, but around seven to nine matches on a pay-per-view. So you had to attempt to tell stories and some people just got left out literally by math. You know, the math didn't add up when you've got 42 minutes of content weekly, it's really hard to get, a story. And so you, you know, you have to give the Joe Kurt story more minutes because they need to be in ring with action as well as verbiage and talking. So, but, so yes, they're, they're always ebbed and plow talent being disgruntled. Then they'd be okay. And, you know, when I look back on Ronnie, uh, killings, he, you know, he wanted to go back. He knew that his first run at WWE wasn't as fruitful as he had liked and at times he was getting lost in the shuffle, like everybody else on our card. So yeah, he, he wanted to go back and was pushing Terry and others to, to, Hey man, if you're not going to do it with me, but it's the same story over and over and over
0: home team, visiting team, your fantasy team, no matter who you root for, we're all on the same team when it comes to COVID-19 buy and Pfizer remind you to please consider getting vaccinated. And last number six, five zero eight, four equal housing lender. hear some of my commercials and think to yourself, ah, that sounds too good to be true. That's probably malarkey. Here's the deal, man. It's real.
2: You know, I love all of them. Uh, you know, especially the new one with Jeff Jarrett. I love his stories and everything. You're listening to one of the best minds in um, professional wrestling out there. I don't think people give Jeff Jarrett enough credit. Everything that you hear Jeff talk about wrestling, you hear his passion and sincerity for wrestling. How my attention was gotten was the um, commercials. Just working with Conrad's team is one of the things I wanted to do You I feel like he's given so much to us as a community, you feel like he's the guy you want to use, you want to give back to him and his company and help him out too. My goals were to find the best rate that I could and the easiest way to look for a house in a different state. This definitely was a lot easier than I thought it would be. Like I said, it was just a breeze dealing with Blake and the team and being able to answer any of the questions. I think this is definitely one of the best teams I've ever had to deal with. It took about, where are we at, 16 days. So it took about 16 days just to get approved all the way through. I would totally recommend Conrad and his team. Uh, save with Conrad has definitely been an easy by experience. Go to SaveWithConrad.com.
0: We're routinely helping wrestling fans around the country just like you save tens of thousands of dollars. How much can you save? Find out right now for free at SaveWithConrad.com. Here's another quote, Jeremy Borash was removed from doing the interviews. There was a problem with his look and I guess people don't like his style. It's funny because I always saw him as a young gene Okerlund from the AWA. Well, they didn't. And the feeling was they needed to get a pretty girl to do interviews. She was brought in several weeks earlier for an audition, but she was absolutely horrible. So of course she got the job. Borash is said to be unhappy over it, but there are people surprised that Jeff Jarrett didn't stand up for Borash on the move. Borash and Russo were tight in WCW, but had a falling out later. Borash is still on air doing a segment where they plug merchandise, but that's another negative because Don West who was doing it is a better fit in that role. Boy, I don't always agree with what the newsletter saying, but I'm all over this. I thought Borash did a great job in the interview section. And I wonder when they say, Hey, people were surprised that Jeff didn't stand up for him. Is this one of those pick your battles moments where if Russo felt really strongly, you got to give a little to get a little in some other areas, maybe.
3: And here we go. (laughs) Was that, it doesn't matter. Wade or Dave, both are responsible for selling subscriptions. So it makes a lot better story. Jeff, not sticking up for Jeremy or whatever, let, let, let's create a story that isn't there. And why didn't Jeff stick up at the end of the day? It also said in an earlier report that Jeff's still running the show. So at the end of the day, it, it was my ultimate call, but here's the set of circumstances. And I, look, I would have to do some research. I need to get Jeremy on the phone. I need to get go back in time and, and really dive into the, to, to, to all the backstory. Jeremy would probably remember better than me, but my gut tells me this is that, I believe Jeremy is the best live event host. Let me think how to explain this. He's the best live event host that carries a television production. Hey, we're going to break or we're coming out of break. We're going into break. whatever it may be. He's a very good conductor uh, of the crowd. And so lots of moving parts. He, He did that. He also was the ring announcer, um, you know, and we did main event intros and all that. So Jeremy couldn't be at 10 places at once. And Russo probably wanted a female. I remember Letitia coming online. I didn't have a problem with, with bringing a female online, but Jeremy wore so many hats. He produced packages. He was a producer. Uh, he was a live event host. Um, I mean, he had a lot of duties. So it wasn't anything that I was like, Oh, Jeremy, you're not going to be on camera. Uh, although he's very good at that. I think Jeremy is fantastic at the we'll call it the mean gene role matter of fact sometimes it was hard for me to keep a straight face and other talent to keep a straight face Karen never could keep a straight face with Jeremy on camera you can go back and watch Karen have to look off camera to, to not keep from laughing but it was a point that um we were you know with Russo getting it you know with this writing, I'll say there was a lot more backstage pre-tapes, and so when you're producing during the day, Jeremy would have to be waiting on set, but have four or five other duties. So, you know, it was a win-win-win. We we got uh, uh, our budgets increasing. We got another announcer online. Jeremy got to continue to focus on his. I think the most important job is really being the live event host for the television production. I think that that job. I'll say this. I have been in other promotions where it's not valued at all. And I truly believe it's
0: super important. <laughs> we know one of those. Um, <laughs> let's just move on. I, I liked it. You know, they are at least acknowledging Don West was great at selling merch. We could do a whole Don West episode one day. I hope we do. Let's keep going. Got we got to Go ahead. Supposedly Jesse Ward found, uh, Letitia and brought her aboard. Uh, let's talk about, uh, Jeremy Borash being removed here. Uh, and, and, and now the, his new female replacement, what'd you think?
3: She, again, um, I don't want to say fish out of water, but that's probably the easiest thing. She hadn't learned to swim yet. She, she, she didn't have a skill set in wrestling. Uh, you know, and, and through the years we used SoCal Val and, you know, we, we Goldilocks was in the early days. To, so having a female backstage reporter, Letitia didn't have any experience in the wrestling industry. So just learning names is hard enough. Other than facials and how to react, and okay, this guy's the protagonist, this guy's the antagonist. What's the interaction? What's the outshot? What am I pitching to? Do I need to be mad, happy, sad, glad? Whatever the facials, she did, and she learned quickly. But coming in the door, uh, she didn't have Jeremy's skill set—not even remotely close um, at, at all. But um, she she got better and better.
0: So you taped three nights of TV on November twentieth to build up to turning point. The first night airs on November 23rd Thanksgiving. (laughs) Now I know once upon a time, Thanksgiving was a wrestling tradition all over the country, specifically in the South, but man, in this era, it is not how tough was that to know our show airs on Thanksgiving, or did you see it as a blessing? Hey, a lot of people will, everything's closed. There's not a lot of stuff to do. Maybe people will be in a, a Turkey coma and ready to just veg out on the couch and watch a little TV.
3: You know, I can look, it paid exactly the same. Okay. <laughs> the network executives were completely like, you know, yes, it's going to go into the, the, the quarterly average and all that. But they also knew that the lines are playing or the cowboy, you know, NFL's on TV. It It is what it is. And so we strategically uh, w- would have the mindset, let's make this, fun and, and in, in step with Thanksgiving and all this, but understand there's nothing we can do about it. Boy, I used to love Thanksgiving day tradition. I'd wrestle in Nashville. Um, what, you know, or, or, or Jackson, Tennessee, it's, you have to sort of experience that. And I know those days are gone by, but, uh, Thanksgiving day tradition, we used to do some really good episodes and we'll get to those later, but yep, this was the Turkey episode. The
0: show opens with the best coming down as the new NWA champion. Father James Mitchell is going to talk about how they outsmarted sting to become the new NWA champ Christian as sting appears and asks for a title shot while the real sting repels down and Christian, uh, is challenged to a match right there tonight. Meltzer is super critical of the booking here saying after your buildup of the match on pay-per-view, they then give it away on free TV worse. They did it on Thanksgiving a night. They have no prayer of drawing a rating on. Do you ever read the observer and wish you were smart (laughs) as (laughs) Dave?
3: Again, I am so thankful that I got in my early USWA days to read that newsletter and can kind of go, he's not this stupid. He's just not this stupid for, for him to write this stuff and expect people, but to, to be dialed in it, it, it is a, Part fiction newsletter. Well, he's just trying, is.
0: he's trying to be entertaining.
3: He is. Yeah. But I, to his audience. And some people, just like a great stand up comedian, some people just doesn't resonate with the audience. And and Dave doesn't care because he's not selling to those folks.
0: Well, there you go. I, I really had I had never thought about it that way. I mean, I still subscribe. I'm a big fan of Dave. I read all of his stuff, but I also know that sometimes he's just stating his opinion. You know, it's not, it's not just the facts, ma'am. You know what I mean?
3: No, not, not, not at all. Not at all. And, 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 and in stuff like this, because it doesn't resonate with his hardcore three-star, four-star five-star, when you get too deep into the weeds on storytelling, Dave always taps and, and that's okay.
0: Well, here's the thing. The, the the star rating thing is just his opinion. I mean, what is a five-star match? It just means you liked it better than most. That's all, but it's your opinion. Uh, sure. But this whole, I mean, he does have a point about you have been building stinging Christian for quite a while. Yes. And now you're putting it on Thanksgiving. Are you doing that in the hopes of maybe we will have a bigger audience or maybe we, we can use this to salvage a rating or is at the end of the day, we're just telling stories.
3: Bingo. When I went through research, I had to jar my memory and you sort of always go into that, that mindset on, do we roll over and play dead? Absolutely not. Spikes paying us the money. We better put out the best damn episode we can. You also have that balance on: are we going to try to go a rating, or are we going to try to push toward the pay per view? Again, you know, uh, as I've gotten into my world, and I really look back and 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 dive into, we were doing monthly pay per views, and I know exactly why we were because we were generating international funds in a really big way, but for the U.S. business model, it was the wrong model. It was too much quarterly or or even every other month would have, i believe would have been more productive but every month going up as opposition to WWE some folks aren't aren't going to buy tape, two pay-per-views so and you know watching the, some of this stuff back Christian's mic work was phenomenal at this time and 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 it was a good story um but to to your earlier comment probably pushing toward Let's try to get a rating tonight guys. Cause NFL is going to kick our ass if we don't put something out there.
0: We also get a match that's billed as the final match with Christopher Daniels and AJ styles as a tag team, which of course means it won't be because it's wrestling <laughs> and they're going to take on the naturals. And I think most people would assume, Hey, if AJ and Christopher Daniels are splitting up anyway, and this is their last time as a tag team, then the naturals who've been billed as this up and coming tag team, they're going to win. You would be mistaken. AJ and Christopher Daniels, win, and then AJ walks off from Daniels and Rhino, when he tries to keep them friendly in hindsight, were you, if you were ever going to go with the naturals, couldn't this have been a a great building block that they lost to the naturals. And that's another reason to split up or I know it's not the story you were trying to tell, but I've always really been pulling for those guys.
3: And you know, I'd have to really dial back and maybe Rudy Charles would have some good notes uh, or, or other guys in the room. Um, for whatever reason, I'll say at times, okay, if this is their last match ever, of course they're going to lose. And we went the other way to what's it going to really hurt for the naturals to take a fall um, rebuild them. And we're going with AJ and Daniels, the two, you know, in a lot of ways they were pillars of, of our roster to so go that route. And, um, tonight was not the night to, uh, build, uh, the naturals. So Jim Cornette wants
0: the NWA world tag team titles back from LAX. He brings out Petey Williams to thank him for showing his true red, white, and blue colors, even though he's Canadian when he helped these, uh, When he made these guys stop burning the American flag. And then they play the national Anthem before LAX comes out with an attorney to stop them and somehow this leads to America's most wanted and Kurt angle brawling with them, clearing the ring. Meltzer would say somehow, and all this losing their titles was reversed. And now they're champions again. This was in response to the crowd crapping all over Cornette's decision to strip them of the titles. So they did a change in plans and decided not to strip them after all. This is a little hard to follow when you've got yes. this on-air commissioner who says we're stripping you and then never mind, pretend it didn't happen. No follow through. And the old way of doing wrestling that wouldn't have happened, but maybe this is a different era.
3: For sure the transition into a different era, if not already, probably, yeah, it is a different era. But um You know, not just on this week's episode, but in the ones past and LAX, that vibe, the authenticity of Conan's promos and us in Orlando that had a partially Hispanic audience, this whole thing didn't go as cut and dried as heels and baby faces. And, you know, them wanting to burn the American flag wasn't the dastardly thing that 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 you would might think it would be. And so, um, the proverbial Jim Cornette line and others line trying to make chicken salad out a chicken chip. (laughs) What was a part of this equation? Uh, but yeah, it's very hard to follow, especially, uh, 20 years later.
0: Let's, um, let's talk about Samoa Joe. That segment bleeds into Samoa Joe coming out and challenging Kurt angle to a rematch this feels like a lot of crash TV here. It feels like we're trying to cram as much as we can into this one show. And I think we've only got like 46 minutes of TV time, but is this maybe, I don't mean to say it's not good, but there's an expression in the South boy, that's 10 pounds of shit in a five pound bag. Is this too much of that? Do you think
3: I didn't do a good job, put it, put it all on me. I, I didn't do a good job in that balancing act. And, and, and attempting to, Hey, let's keep the main thing, the main thing. And let's focus on one storyline. And then that second storyline, give it some love and third, but stories four, five, and six, they just ain't going to make the cut today. It, it It's just not going to work. And I constantly battled that a, as a EP, it just is not, it's difficult because then You have folks who may go crying to Vince or Dutch or Dixie. Oh, I'm not getting TV time. Okay. Then we're going to give you a 92nd pre-take, which really takes away from the main thing difficult. So yes, it was, uh, maybe 20 pounds in a five pound bag.
0: I want to mention Eric Young shows up in a Turkey outfit to wish everyone a happy Thanksgiving. Uh, Eric is always the go-to here. Um, VKM are going to do a promo about getting a cease and desist order. And then eventually we see some silliness that, well, let's just let Dave Meltzer recap it quote. Eric young came out in his Turkey costume rude and Mrs. Brooks came out and called young an embarrassment to wrestling young, then pinned rude, rude, blamed Brooks for his loss and for the fans, not cheering for him rude said Brooks was so ugly that young could beat her in a bikini contest. So that's going to set up a bikini contest. I can't believe that's real. Um, what was the, what did you see in this pair of of rude and Tracy Brooks, Tracy Brooks, great friend of the show. We both think a lot of, of, of Mr. Rude, but what about that as a pairing? Are you trying to go for like maybe a savage Elizabeth vibe here?
3: So this is pre-knockouts era. And, and so t- for, for maybe the new listeners, uh, during this time, TNA had, you know, the heavyweights uh, was the storyline and that belt and the tag and the Division. We did not have a women's champion at the time. And so, again, Tracy, talented, um, and, and Bobby, talented, coming out of Team Canada. And as creative rolled along. That, yeah, let's create a vibe here. And because Tracy had a personality in and of it to herself, it's not like she she was, we'll call it a a Miss Elizabeth, but Tracy had personality all on her own. So how can we make uh, the Bobby Tracy uh, relationship work? And that's the, that's the direction we took it.
0: All right, let's run a timeout right now. I want to mention I turned 40 earlier this year and all of a sudden I found I started to make some changes in my life. I, uh, deleted social media off my phone for a bit. Uh, I quit drinking alcohol and I started taking keeps. Let me explain this past April. I was able to uh, take my parents to the beach for their anniversary. And, uh, as dad got in the pool there at the beach, I noticed, uh, well, it was getting a little Arn Anderson looking there. I guess in context, that's not all that surprising since we know that two out of three men will experience some form of hair loss by the time they're 35, but I didn't think that was in the cards for dad, dad grayed early, but as he would say, it turned gray. It didn't turn loose. Well, it is now. And thankfully I'm able to get ahead of this. I recently discovered there are only two, that's right. Just two FDA approved medications that can prevent hair loss. And thankfully keeps offers both keeps offers a simple stress-free way to keep your hair you've got convenient virtual doctor consultations and medications delivered straight to your door every three months meaning you don't even have to leave your home it's also low cost treatments start at just ten dollars a month and keeps offers generic versions they've also got discrete packaging and proven results keeps has more five-star reviews than any of their competitors now prevention is key treatments can take four to six months to see results so act fast And if you're ready to take action and prevent hair loss, go to keeps.com slash Jarrett to receive your first month of treatment for free. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett to get your first month free. That's keeps.com forward slash Jarrett. That's keeps.com slash Jarrett. Next up, we've got a Kevin Nash X division segment. You know what? (laughs) I don't even, Uh, I don't even know what we're doing on the show anymore here, but we've got a Kevin Nash
3: series. Go ahead.
0: It's a paparazzi production. This is from the torch, a paparazzi production video aired from the mandatory X division meeting. Kevin Nash told a gathering of X division wrestlers. They had to regroup Nash said they were going to undergo a series of tests for the PCS, including steroids. Since she looked bored in the corner, Sanjay pro, uh, protested the PCS, and Nash said, You're going to drive that Ford Maverick the rest of your life? And Dutt retorts, Honda protege. Nash then asked everyone to jo- <laughs> join hands in a sign of brotherhood. Shelly and Nash held hands. Star joined in, and Nash sang kumbaya. And then Dutt and Lethal walked out. Nash called them juice heads as they walked away <laughs> this is uh, Kevin Nash we should erect a statue to this man
3: <laughs> Should we not? yeah, I loved it because but to get it in context, there was such an underbelly of all oh, the under excavation is just a bunch of flippy floppy guys. there's no story blah 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 and and creatively said, okay what better guy to give a story than to guy who's really the the opposite of the X division? But Kevin with his personality erect a statue. That's good. <laughs> God, it was fun producing these. It's
0: unbelievable. Next up, Sting and Christian Cage ends when Travis Tomko debuts and gives Sting a TKO from The Observer, quote, because they're so afraid of using the term problem solver from Tomko, Christian was calling him the guy who solves my problems. Why did TNA need Travis Tomco here?
3: Building the roster. Um, he had a good look.
0: No Christian, doubt. No doubt.
3: Great look. And Christian wanted him to, uh, get on board. Bingo. That's what I was looking for. Yeah.
0: Um, why package him? I mean, when we're not, I don't know creatively. It feels weird because I've, I've gone to the Eric Bischoff school of learning for a few years Mm now, he pretty consistently says you gotta be less than better than, or different than the idea being if you're trying to be WWE, but you don't have their budget or roster or whatever then you're going to come off as less than unless you could be better than, but you probably don't have the resources to. So if you're trying to be WWE 2.0, you're going to be less than, so you should be different than because nobody wants to be less than. And when you've got a guy who was paired with Christian in the WWE and he was called the problem solver, and now we're, we're putting them back together and calling him the guy who solves my problems. And we've got not really DX, but kinda with VKM and they're doing what they did to WCW, but now to WWE, isn't this, doesn't this in hindsight feel
3: for to use Eric's term less than Interesting coming from Eric who entered PNA in 2010 and got rid of the six sided ring, which is different and went to less than. And we had the nasty boys and Orlando Jordan and blah 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 and blah blah blah, kind of kind of WWE light. <laughs> so with that being said, um, I will say Tomco and the packaging with Christian, and we just hit it that Christian wanted him on board. It is less than. We'll get into the VKM, that whole vibe, and where maybe my rationalization and yes, I'm going to call it that is, is a little different. Uh, but yeah, I, I will admit that the Christian package of him and Tomco was been there, done that like the fifth version of the four horsemen or the 19th version of NWO. And, and, you know, the 25th member of the bullet club, it's all a, a, a less than uh type types, you know, scenario. In, in so many ways. Um, but yeah, I mean, when you, when I look at it or when we look at it, here we are, I said 20 years ago, second ago, it's really like 15 years ago. Uh, it, it certainly has that feel. Um, and the guy who solves my problems, maybe at the time, I don't want to say felt clever, but I, I, it's the only word I can come up with right now. But in hindsight, it's like, that ain't clever. That's a, that's a, that's a cheap imitation knockoff that the viewer at home goes. If we want to watch WWE, we'll watch the original, right? We're, we're watching TNA. And so yeah, hindsight's twenty twenty. 20, but uh, yeah, lesser than.
0: So, uh, let's recap from the observer. Christian cage had been pushing for TNA to bring in Travis Tomko for just about the entire time he started. The idea has always been in 06, that cage would win the title, turn heel on sting. And then it would lead to them meeting at the December pay-per-view where Sting would get the title. If he was staying or put over Christian if he wasn't, of course that changed greatly over the course of the year, but he had pushed that when he did the turn that he wanted Tomco to join. So there's the backstory. According to Dave, does that sound about right from your recollection? Yeah, and,
3: You know, and I'll give Christian props in that he he's a, uh, he's a talent that he understands that if he has a couple more chess pieces on the board, it can continue to feel fresh and new, innovative. And I say all that out of two sides of my mouth that yes, Tomko was with him up North or with WWE, but, but in this set of circumstances, him facing staying, it gives a little bit more of a threat from storyline perspective that, Oh, Sting's going to kick Christian's ass if it's one-on-one. Ooh, but you throw Tomko in there and eh, maybe, you know, swing the odds in Christian's favor and and everything that goes with that part of storytelling.
0: So the show goes off the air with a VKM having their car break down right in front of WWE headquarters. Tell me about these segments, Jeff. Is Russo filming these? Is it Borash? Are you and Panda's legal team watching them to make sure they're all good and you guys aren't getting in trouble? It feels like you're trying to get right to the line without going over the line. Who helped you with that and and who helped shoot and produce these?
3: Dallas attorneys were that was a creative deal that in the room and the ideas and BG road dog, uh, was highly engaged with this in, in every level. Um, I want to say Russo did fly up. I know Jeremy did Jeremy and, and, you know, so, so maybe they were, maybe Vince was there or, or not. I don't remember specifically, but that's one of those deals that obviously Dixie was engaged because, and, attorneys were, you know, so yes, right. Push it right up to the line and have the di- discussions and, and, What's the creative, but this whole storyline came out of, we have AJ and Daniels. We have LAX. We had a lot of moving parts again, a one hour show. So how do we get Brian and Kip on the show? We don't really have opponents. How can we make a little noise there? We, you know, it it goes without saying this per se VKM invading Stanford storyline. There there was no, uh, I'll say immediate payoff as far as an in-ring tag title match or any of that. But the, the way that, that I always viewed this was Brian and Kip were the two talents. Like NWO 2000 had Kevin Nash in it. That's probably a bad example. But but, but the, the, the two guys that were, you know, if you look back at the DX invasion at Norfolk, Brian was front and center. Yes. So it, it, it really was that, those guys their character, it fit Brian, it fit Billy, and they did the original invasion. And so now we just thought it was an interesting quick twist to make a different noise. I know that we always wanted in these formative years, Conrad. This is something that I know that you're you're so dialed into to to leads to, to, to get them to our product. So how do we get the 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 people outside of Thursday night to sample us? Well we got to get them to our website. So how do we create compelling website content and how do we create we were super early adopters of YouTube we we wanted to figure a funnel if you will Conrad how do we get them to our website and we had all kind of unique and and I'll give Bill Banks and JB and everybody on our digital team in the early years you know we did a huge drive to to create chatter and we thought Brian and Billy with their we'll call it their WWF fame we two guys that could do it. And the story could, could, could halfway make wrestling sense. Um, does that makes sense. Conrad sort yeah. of the vibe I saying it's right or wrong. It's just sort of the direction we wanted to take it.
0: Let's talk a little bit about, uh, some other things that are happening in the wrestling world. Uh, first up Jim Ross's contract is coming up for renewal and ultimately he's going to wind up, uh, re-signing with WWE, but in this era, is there at least discussion about maybe doing business with him? I ask that because the the guys who are in the room, as we've heard, sort of leading the charge are Vince Russo, who ultimately made the decision to, to mock Bill's palsy and WCW as part of the Oklahoma character, Dutch Mantell, who, as far as I know, has no horse in the fight. And then there's you who probably still had some hurt feelings about the holdup. And, and he probably had some hurt feelings to you. And of course there's your hurt feelings on your end that he cut your money. And he is the voice of wrestling though. but Mike today was doing a damn good job for you guys. Was it ever, even, ever even discussed or considered here in six.
3: I'll throw a little challenge out to you, but maybe we both need to do it. I, I, I want to say. This is the time frame that Bob Carter flew him out to the ranch. I don't know how long he signed from this contract to the next. So this is 06 07, right? Conrad. Oh, uh, six. This, yeah. This is December. 06. Is that yeah. accurate? Yes. So I want to, again, I may be wrong. It may be two years later in 08.
0: I, but, I think it happened in 2010.
3: Oh, that late that he flew out to Bob Carter.
0: Well, okay. there's, there's okay. reports out there that, that there was a meeting that happened in 2010, but it could have happened before. I suppose.
3: Well, I, I that's what I'm saying. I don't know. I, I will say this. It never came across my desk. I don't believe Jim had any thoughts of ever leaving WWE, um, during this time frame. I may be wrong. Um, but you, you are right. Um, here, here's the real simplicity of it all. There is no chance in hell. We could have afforded Jim Ross period.
0: I I really think in your mind, you were probably thinking, you know what? Let's bring him in. He's a big voice. He's a big name. It would level up our look and feel and make us not feel less than, but I know we really can't afford it. So several months in, once he's good and pissed off Vince, I'm going to cut that motherfucker's money. Like he
3: cut mine. (laughs) I didn't know where you're going with that. (laughs) I really didn't know. Uh, We couldn't afford it. But look, I I really believe that Mike Tanay and Don West from day one don't get enough credit to how much they truly branded us as the alternative. Me and Mike had. Good God, we used to, after the Wednesday night shows, me, Mike, and Don West used to go out to the Holiday Inn where they were staying at and have conversation after conversation after conversation. And Don was just really breaking into this industry and all that. But um, the Unsung Heroes, so the, Jim Ross never came across my desk. And and had he, I don't really think I would have had the interest. And, and that being said is, I had it ingrained in my brain that I really felt... The most successful route that we should take is to be the alternative, period. Vince is never going to book X division guys ever. Never, ever, ever is he changing that mindset. Later, the six sided ring. But how are we going to have four distinct divisions and really put a focus on tag team wrestling? You get Team 3D, you get America's Most Wanted, you get these different guys. So at every turn, I didn't want to go left. If fence was going right, just to say I was going left, but I wanted to brand us as the alternative. And Jim Ross is the face and voice of WWE, in my opinion. And I know Michael Cole's been there a long time, but there's two shows. And so, you know, yes, Michael is the lead voice, but it's really hard when you have two shows. He's not the only voice. I think a lot of ways, even though JR is tried and true and AEW. You're never, and rightly so, never going to remove him from being the voice uh, of a generation. You're just not. And I'm I'm giving him props. That's the that, that to me as far as branding. That's it, one oh one.
0: It's a shame he never got to cut his money, Jeff. Maybe you will with this new promotion. Who knows? <laughs> so, <laughs> not really, guys. We're definitely not opening a wrestling promotion. So you guys head down to Monterey, Mexico for the first ever TNA house uh, show outside of America, and Meltzer yeah. would write that it was actually a paid show, uh, that the promotion was claiming six thousand in the building and four thousand paid, but people were saying ah it's probably closer to forty two hundred tomato tomato. They say that the uh, ticket prices were jacked up, but of course TNA had a set price, so this promoter has to make it back somehow, and. um, Let's just read it here. This is directly from the observer. The big angle shot was with Jeff Jarrett doing his anti-Mexican tirade. Jarrett got super heat as the fans were throwing everything in the world at him. After Jarrett came out throwing tortillas at the fans, he was, uh, in the middle of what's described as the world's largest food fight. He then called out Conan who the people expected to attack Jarrett as he got cheered. Even though he's a heel on AAA television, Conan came in with a cane, apologized for not being able to wrestle, and then hugged Jarrett, and they began pelting him. He got hit in the face with hot sauce. CBernetico, however, the only AAA wrestler who performed on the stage, came out and punched Conan and Jarrett for the biggest pop of the show. Now, this is something that I have been fascinated by, because I admit I hadn't seen a ton of, uh, Lucha Libre outside of some clips and highlights, but only in the last few years did I understand your quote unquote gimmick down there was to throw tortillas at wrestling fans. That's heat in Mexico. I didn't know it would turn into a food fight. I didn't know they would hit you with hot sauce, but every time we think about this, I think about Dave Silva. <laughs> because dave silva who is one of my very best friends and yours too we have a lot of fun with because dave has now adopted an alabama accent and dave will say hey man i reckon i'm gonna get down there to that rosie's uh canteen and i'm gonna get some lunch i'm thinking i might have a tortilla and then it's like wait wait, what just happened how did you just switch dialects and and tone of voice so quickly uh, but dave silva is uh
3: well, as I've a, heard this a thousand times. I still laugh hard every time. Go because,
0: ahead. And then the way he says jalapenos, jalapenos, like, what? why, why do you say it like that? I think, man, I'm going to have a number two right here. And can I get a side of tortillas and some fresh cut jalapenos? Like, what, 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 how did you become a hillbilly and Hispanic all the same? I don't get it. The dialects uh, are all over the place. Tell me yes. about this idea, though, of you throwing tortillas. And when I asked you about this, you said, oh, Conrad, I didn't invent that. That's a thing. Like that's been a thing for a long, I didn't know that chat me up. What does that mean? in uh, to a Mexican audience.
3: All right. Once we get this out, let's circle back to the business component of this show. Uh, so we can cover all the bases, but as far as the tortilla goes and Conrad, I do, I hope one day and I'm trying to think, I, I think I've already got a good researcher in mind or a combo researcher. I do want to do uh, my world in in Mexican lucha libre wrestling, the the career because it it to me it's it's a it's a piece that you're not completely aware of. Others no. aren't aware of. As a heel, I, I, you know, look, you know, you you've called it the assistant manager. I wasn't the assistant manager down there. I was, I think, I drew more tickets than anywhere I have in the world you know, as far as my career, uh, just,
0: you had but, to go all, all the way to Mexico to be a top guy. That's a damn shame.
3: Isn't that a damn shame? But anyway, but it all started Antonio Pena. Um, he's triple a, uh, founder and he broke off from their version of, uh, the WWE years ago. They're coming up on their 30th anniversary next year, Conrad. So it's funny. They're 10 years apart. So the promotion had been going 10 years when we, when we launched and Pena came to Nashville, uh, and we use some of his talent in the early days of TNA. So me and him struck up a relationship from the very beginning, his nephew, Dorian. Uh, so, uh, Antonio's sister, uh, son is Dorian. So anyway, Pena brought me down years ago and he really took time and crafted my persona. Obviously I'm, the blonde haired, blue eyed American businessman, if you will, uh, that also had a, you know, a, a pretty, uh, healthy or, you know, a no, notorious that, you know, I, I'd been world champion in WCW and I, and, and, you know, just my title run. So he brought me in down there and he's the one who crafted the the, the gimmick. I had a translator, uh, I would not talk. I used to refer to the Spanish language as a primitive, primitive language, a primitive language with primitive people with primitive food. So, so that is the heel persona that I took on. And you know, I would say that I could speak Spanish, and I can speak some broken Spanish. But anyway, the, the 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 persona Conrad was it punched a lot of buttons, <laughs> and sounds like it. That did, did not care for me, but, um, I, I'll never forget. We later did it all kind of different ways. I've thrown out like this cactus plant, but, but he told me night one, I want you to walk out and, and throw out these tortillas. And I'm like, for what I, I did, it didn't really resonate. But then when he, you know, and Dutch was down there with me a couple of the early shots and Dutch goes, dude, they're going to hate you. They are going to come unglued. And he just said, uh, they're saying in, in Spanish, but they're saying that you won't speak their primitive language. I go back to primitive language, primitive culture. And, and 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 this is what you have, this very primitive food. You know, we're the five-star, seven-star restaurant, whatever it is. And here's your tortillas. But I'm going to be gracious enough to feed you this crap. Whew. When I tell you I went out like a cannon and... Uh, just the number one antagonist for years and years and years down there, sort of based on that original character. So that was in 0203. And now here we are 0607. Uh, and that uh, promoter in Monterey wanted to book a TNA show. And let's just say the audience didn't quite care for old double J this night.
0: <laughs> well, I, I joke's on you. If Dave and I were at that show and, and you throw us some tortillas, well, we're, we're, we're gone. <laughs> Uh, They go. Yeah, they (laughs) go. You know, between your photos, your finances, your devices, and your connection, really, your world's more online than ever. And maybe you have security systems in place in real life, but what about your online life? Aura can help sound the alarm if your digital presence is at risk. Here's what we're talking about. Aura provides digital security protection to keep your online finances, your personal information, and tech safe from online threats. It's an all-in-one protection from identity theft, financial fraud, malware, scam sites, and so much more. With Aura, you'll get alerted to fraud and threats fast, like if your online accounts or passwords were leaked online, or if someone tries to open a bank account in your name. Aura is easy to set up. All the plans come with a million dollars in identity theft insurance to help recover your stolen funds, and they have an experienced U.S.-based customer support team that's got your back. Aura is the new type of security service that protects all of your online information and devices in one simple subscription. With an easy online dashboard and alerts sent straight to your phone, Aura keeps you in control and guides you through solving any issues. For a limited time, Aura is offering our listeners up to 40% off plans when you visit aura.com/myworld. That's a u r a.com/myworld to get complete protection and savings of up to 40%. That's aura.com slash my world. That's a U R a.com slash my world to get complete protection and savings of up to 40%. Check it out. Aura.com slash my world, uh, a sold show though. So this is, uh, this is a profitable venture. As soon as you get on the plane, right? You know, the mo- we're good. We're going to make some yep. money today. And,
3: and I think, uh, you know, in hindsight, look, the, the promoter made money, but he probably could have made more uh, had he not put his ticket price so high, you know, again, hindsight is twenty twenty. I think we could have had eight thousand in the building, and he did too. Had we not had the, the GA so high, uh, but look, again, that's a, the the risk of a promoter. But it was a really cool deal, you know, for Sting to be there and Messiah was there. We we had a good card. Um, it was a lot of fun, and it was interesting because you know our TV was on a small channel right down there, but you know, Sting is a legendary name. Um, so it was, it was a good experience for all involved. So
0: are you rethinking this decision? Some of the nonsense that you're doing when all this crap starts flying back your way and, uh, a a bottle of hot sauce, hits your man Conan. (laughs) I mean, listen, Um, that's a dangerous deal.
3: Don't get me wrong.
0: It's cool to get heat, but you don't know what they're throwing. You don't know where it's going to hit you. I mean, Correct. if the hot sauce hit him in the eye, I mean, wow, that's a bad deal,
3: dude. It's a bad deal. And it can be very, very dangerous. Um, it's a whole different culture. Any, my world listeners out there today, if you want to take a wrestling trip, so to speak, fly down to Mexico city, get online, figure out your little tour, go, go to a triple a show, go, go to, uh, there's shows there uh, in that country all the time. And I know it's, hasn't been during the pandemic, but, um, it's just, it's a, it's a completely different culture. Uh, you know, Japanese, Japan wrestling has a, have a different culture, but in Mexico, you know, there's soccer slash football and, and then there is professional wrestling and it is a cultural anomaly in so many ways, but yes, super dangerous.
0: Let's talk about the observer. There's a lot of reports coming in and some personal conversations coming in. There's uh, nearly a consensus amongst the X division that they're negative about direction and Vince Russo. Some people are telling Dave people who have been friends with Vince, No, he's great. And they're pretty consistent there. And the folks who haven't been a big fan. Well, they're consistent too, but here's something that stuck out like a sore thumb quote, the reaction angle has also changed greatly over the past week. Starting to be the same reaction as in WWE angle is taking a super hands-on approach, talking to everyone about their matches, promos, and rubbing people the wrong way. When he tells other wrestlers, he's the greatest wrestler of all time. It's one thing for others to say he's one of the greatest, but you sure don't tell other wrestlers when you're critiquing them. He's also telling them that he's going to be running the company right now for public consumption, Jarrett is 100% sticking up for angle as he has to. The thing is, no matter how erratic people say anger's behavior angles, behavior is, and the company has to be vigilant to protect angle from himself. Health-wise, he still has the ability to project himself like a major superstar to the viewing public far more than anyone else on the roster. This is the only time I've ever heard of this. Did you ever hear of Kurt telling other wrestlers? Hey, I'm the greatest wrestler of all time. And here's what you did wrong in your match. That does not feel like the Kurt that I do a podcast with. Is this real or is this just selling newsletters as you like to say? Have you never heard this
3: really? No. No? Okay. Interesting. I felt so bad for Kurt during this time. I heard it I can't tell you how many times. And I just would shake my head and I had to assume, and I think I'm pretty accurate on this because people would tell me, yes, that's kind of how it goes down. And Kurt, God bless him. He didn't really know what he signed up for, but when his boss, or I'll say this, the person who is paying him seven figures, daughter tells him, you go in there and you tell this guy you're the greatest wrestler in the world. And here's how you need to do it. Oh no. I kid you not. And I believe Kurt took it verbatim and said, Oh God. Yeah. I mean, Conrad, this is one of those deals that's a part of my world that it's not real comfortable, but it is, it is what it is. But when I would hear the things of, Hey, Jeff, you know, Kurt wants your job. And I'm going, I kind of don't think Kurt wants to get in the creative room for seven hours. Uh, I, I may be going out on a limb. I kind of don't think he wants to be a boss. I kind of think Kurt wants to do his match and that's what he gets paid to do. And he wants to be the, the Olympic gold medalist Kurt angle, but you heard it. I heard it all the time to the point that it, began to really have a negative connotation on Kurt. And I didn't like it because he's the lead horse, but I was in such a bad position. I can't go to Dixie and say, Hey, Dixie dad, come it. Please quit messing with the top star because then it's self-serving Jeff. It, I mean, this is a real subject Conrad that kind of sets the stage of how things transpired over the next seven years. What you don't know, you don't know. And do I think Dixie really meant for, for Kurt to take this and go tell this person this and go tell this person that probably not, but I know Dixie did know whether she was coming or going at times. And so then how in the world does she get this huge investment because Look, he's great. So let's let him spread his greatness everywhere. Well, this industry just doesn't work that way, but that's you follow me. Conrad
0: buddy. I, uh, I don't know what to say. I feel bad for you. Most of all, because, and I feel bad for Kurt because Kurt is doing what he's told. That That's is right. that his boss is telling him to do so. Okay. I'll go do that. It's not like Kurt just does this on his own, nope. but at the same time, from your standpoint, because unfortunately, and and, and I know that a lot of people are going to think we're dunking on Dixie. I'm not trying to do that here.
3: I, I'm telling you, I don't think she meant any bad will Yes. because I, I had a conversation with Dutch as said, Dutch. I don't think coming from Vince, it's going to be right just because of it. But if there's what he goes. So you, and he would spell it out to me. So you want me to get in the middle of Kurt not obeying his boss. And I'd say, I got you Dutch. Okay. Let's push.
0: Unfortunately, Dixie has not been quote unquote, one of the boys. So that type of talk is never going to be well-received. And, and, and she doesn't necessarily know that. And that's not. Sometimes people don't understand what the word ignorance means, but she's ignorant to it. She didn't know any better. And she Kurt, didn't know any better. And Kurt is just, oh, well, this is what she wants me to do. And she's paying me a bunch of money. So guess what I'm going to do? What she asked. I but tried. the result is God dang, that comes, that reads terribly. I can't imagine being one of those guys. Oh, okay. Because by the way, he didn't have to tell him he's the best wrestler ever. Everybody he talked to, they already knew that. Hell yes. Like there's not one wrestler who was there. Who's like, I'm not familiar with your work. That's not a thing. Like everybody knows, okay. Maybe you prefer flair or maybe you prefer Sean, but you can't argue that he's not on the Mount Rushmore of when the bell rings, let's go. They all know that. And, and they want to, you know, climb to the top of the mountain that he's been on multiple times, but my goodness, that verbiage makes it to where it's like, what? And I, when I read this, I thought, well, that can't be real. And the idea that no, it is real, but it ain't his fault. There's no context to that in the newsletter at all. No, it's positioned as if this is all his
3: idea and it's not, how would Dave know it's Dixie's idea. Nobody would know that. No. And, and even further to that. And here's where I would just cringe counter. I would just go, oh my God. Because it's not like you can really go stop it either. Because hell no, because here's the truth. And I'm not going to, th- th- this is, well, this is, this is the story. Christian team, three D Tomco. I mean, anybody that was brought Brian and road dog and truth. I, I mean, no matter who it was that we hired and put on the roster that had a prior career, somebody came up to me and knocked them somebody. I mean, somebody who wasn't an original I mean, if they were original and somebody came in from the outside, they would take their dig at some level. Kurt is the I in 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 the in and, and when we signed him, I can't tell you every original. They, it it was unanimous. Jeff, great hire, yeah, across the board that nobody argued with it. Nobody argued with the money because they kind of knew total nonstop action. This is right up Jeff's alley. This is right up the brand's alley. This is what we need. This is what we've been looking for, you know, because any of the peripheral stuff on Kurt was nowhere. It it just, this is perfect. And I'm telling you inside of 12 months, the, 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 the the worm turned because of this type stuff. And it wasn't Kurt's fault.
0: Well, that's what I wanted to say too. Like, you know, I've had what? I've had conversations with with Kurt before, where even if he's got an opportunity to to dig on a guy, he doesn't.
3: No. He's, he
0: says things like, "Well, he's still learning," but you can see he's got it. Said another way, he could say, "This guy's the shit. He ain't ready." But, right. but but Kurt doesn't say that. Kurt no. says, "Oh man, he's he's young, but he's learning, and you can tell he's going to be somebody." That's just his way of, I mean, that's the way he carries himself. So the idea that there was any negativity that was espoused from his mouth, I was like, well, that ain't true. But again, if Kurt is a, a Pittsburgh guy, if his boss says, hey, man, I'm going to pay you a million dollars a year and here's what I need you to do, he's going to get his pen out and start checking boxes. Okay, I did that. I did this. Let me talk to and that he's guy. He's
3: going to do it better than anybody. It's in his DNA. Yes. It, he didn't win the gold because he liked amateur wrestling. There ain't no half speed or half assing with Kurt angle. Look at his, his older brothers. They all were athletes and they all competed. Yep. Nobody pushed it to like brother Kurt did. So yeah, it, 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 but oh, Conrad, I can't tell you the frustration.
0: This is the first crazy Dixie story we've had on the show. So okay. by the way, we're not dunking on Dixie. I want to be clear. Cause I know we're going to get quoted everywhere from this little exchange we had, but the reality is she didn't know any better. So nope. I, I don't fault I, her for that at all, because you know, it's like, um, wrestler etiquette once upon a time was whenever you're in a locker room, you go around and shake everybody's hand. If you didn't know that and you didn't do it, that's kind of not your fault. Nobody told you, you you were supposed to do that. Now I know that a lot of guys are, well, you're supposed to know, but if nobody told them,
3: you know, exactly. Yeah. There's a thousand things like that.
0: Yeah. Yes. Um, the second to last uh, show to build a turning point opens with an LAX interview uh, where they're vowing revenge on Petey Williams. And then we go to the ring, and Christian tells everyone that he's going to take Abyss and Sting out ahead of their match. Abyss is the new world champion, and the story seems to be based around Christian's quest for the title. Uh, VKM is going to attempt to get uh, Vince McMahon to sign a cease and desist to get DX taken off of the air, which to me, I'm still trying to figure out how this is going to draw $1 for
3: T and a, do you disagree with that? It, no. And I sort of dove into that a few minutes ago. Is it going to have a big payoff? No, no. I mean, not an immediate, this angle delivered these funds, right? Uh, it was chatter. Uh, it was noise. The original guys who invaded in the hottest sort of North versus South storyline. Cause you know, when, when, when that happened, that was a big shot that that Eric and company had kicked their ass and, you know, the, the worm started to turn and, and, and the ratings, but to really have this group of, you know, promoted as band of misfits of DX to physically show up at Nitro, it's an iconic moment, big time. And so to have those two guys do that, it was all about chatter and all about, online content and you know, we didn't have a tag title storyline to put them in. And Brian, I believe is very valuable on the show to tell stories. And this is what we chose, but no, we didn't draw a dollar with it. Is it catering
0: to the internet crowd too much in your opinion?
3: So in Oh six, I kind of think, and just what you gave that good example of uh, however you did just a second ago, it is, I could make a case for both sides. Well, he, here's case the case thing. Because the, 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 the DX invasion of Norfolk and WCW, that's not an internet. That that's a, that, that really, you know, that's a mainstream story. But that was we, nine.
0: That was 98. Yes. This is 06. So the internet yeah. is a bigger part in 06 and it's an even bigger part now. Listen, man. Gift giving is a tricky tradition Because you never know what to buy and you don't want to give lame gifts to people you love, but luckily stance has a full line of creatively comfortable apparel that everyone that's right. Everyone can enjoy guaranteed to make merry with quality comforts that fit you and yours stance has made gift giving super simple this holiday season. Stances premium line of socks, apparel, and more always comes correct with colorful constructions, innovative materials and choice fits that are built to last. Throw in an all-star curation of A-list collaborators and those lucky recipients on your holiday nice list have never had it so good. Check out stance.com for all the latest, including several different subscription options that are sure to keep your friends and family feeling great all year round. Man, my favorite design that I got personally was the cheetah design. I think it's cool. I've gotten tons of compliments on my cool socks, but man, they got something for everybody. You know, our, our pal Tony Schiavone loves Batman. Our buddy Cassio kid loves the Goonies. Our pal, Dave Silva loves star Wars. Who doesn't like Harry Potter? Word knows that Matt Cardona and of course Cody Rhodes do well, they've got all those designs plus more like the Wu-Tang clan and everybody knows they're not something to, well, you know, uh, Disney, Barbie, Marvel, come on baseball. That's the Tony Schiavone deal. Even the NBA and Pixar. Stance apparel is a home run, at least for me, it kind of got snuck into my house. I have to admit, I didn't know it was a gift. And then I pulled out my sock drawer and bam, there they were. And I thought, wait a minute, what are these? You can feel the quality in your hand. Like it's soft, but then it's comfortable. Uh, I, I like showing them off, but I can wear them all day long and it's not something I'm excited to take off. This has become a regular part of my life. I didn't think I would love it, but I do love it. I'm talking about stance. I'm talking about the quality. I'm talking about how comfortable. I'm talking about how soft. I'm talking about how cool. I get tons of compliments on this. It's actually become, at least in my business life, where I'm meeting people and doing deals and selling stuff. You know the deal, buddy. Yeah, I get tons of compliments on stance. Stance has the perfect gift for every punk and poet on your list. Go see for yourself. It's easy. Just head on over to stance.com and pick out some styles. You think they might like enjoy the color and comfort of a life less ordinary with stance. Seriously, go check it out right now. You'll be glad you did at stance.com. Do you think the, the thing that fans forever and newsletter writers forever sort of took Vince Russo to task for, Oh, he books for the internet. Do you think that has become more acceptable as time has gone on? Back then people would say, well, they represent a a minority of the audience. It's such a small part of the audience. It's such inside baseball, but it feels like now maybe we're more connected than ever. Everyone's got social media on their phone. Everyone's streaming stuff. Once upon a time, there were a lot of households in America that didn't have internet. Now the majority do. So I, I, I understand how you know, some of that has changed, but do you think the attitude has changed? And, and I ask, and boy, I'm going to piss some people off and I don't mean to, when I say this, but I find it interesting that back then people villainized Vince Russo for, oh, he's booking too much for the internet. But now we celebrate Tony Khan for the same thing. Tony Khan is one of us. Tony Khan was on message boards. Tony Khan is booking our independent favorites. He's putting them on TV. A guy had some buzz in the Indies this week. There's a chance you're going to see him on TV sooner rather than later. Tony Khan listens to us, the internet fan. But I find it interesting that back then, if a writer did that, oh, he's the shits. He's catering to the internet. But now, oh my God, someone's listening to us. This is the greatest thing ever, but isn't it kind of the same thing? Now I'm not saying the results were the same. I'm not saying their approach is the same. But I am saying, I find it interesting that we villainized Russo for it. And we celebrate Tony for it. And by and the way, I say that as friends of both guys, I'm not dunking. I'm observing.
3: I'm, I, and I'm totally with you and aligned. And it's the exact same thing, but remember at the top of this show, people are going to believe what they want to believe. No, that's true. Vince Russo. Ironically enough. Started you know, in a comic book store and this, you know, he was a writer and worked his way up. I don't want to say he was a message board guy, but but he came it, it's not like Vince got in and and no no he you, did a wrestling radio show with John Oranzi. Yeah, so, so he came up the same way, but it wasn't viewed the same way. It's weird, is it not? I'm telling you it's bizarre. But here here's where the business of the business of the business we wanted to create chatter obviously based off of a, a angle that happened 8 years before we also wanted to get tnarestling.com which you know we as it grew it was i know everything's relative but there was a time frame that it was booming it was a a hot site and we were generating traffic and we were filling it up with content but it's exactly the same thing it it, it is it, it but in in it, so I'm, I'm trying to make sure that I say this correctly because you started saying this. Just because there is a internet buzz doesn't make it good content. That's what I find fascinating. That you, you know you you have to whether there whether someone has Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook and is second screening the entire program and and on their phones 24 seven into the wrestling circles and chat boards and replies and mentions and all that kind of stuff. That still doesn't erase the fact your content better be compelling, stand alone. And that's, that to me is where, whether it's AEW of 2021 or TNA of 2006 or WCW of 1999. I, I heard, and Conrad, you know this, but, but I heard something this morning on one of my little marketing minutes that I listen to daily uh, when I leave the house. Um, and it said that Ernest Hemingway, one of the greatest novelists of all time, wrote on a fourth grade level. Most stories that are fame and fortune and make money and all this are on a seventh grade level. If you get too deep into the woods and give this whole backstory of, wait, how am I supposed to understand this or follow this? And wait, this guy had a, he's a hot indie buzz guy from, uh, I don't, you know, it, you know, the Indies in Chicago or wherever, if it doesn't fit into your current storyline where people can understand it, it, people don't watch. Am I making sense? Cause I feel like I'm, 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 I'm jumping all over the place. Cause I didn't know where you were going with that comment, but to your original comment, what Vince did and what Tony's doing are exactly the same in my opinion.
0: Now, I mean, I think the intent, is the same but I think the execution is different at times. You know, like Oh, for sure. T- Tony Tony's going to favor, you know, matches whereas Russo favors Crash TV. But but the content and Go ahead.
3: My bad. Well, I was going to say Russo uh favored the 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 script writing of Inside Baseball. Yes. Tony prefers the uh not script writing matches but Inside Baseball wrestling matches.
0: Yes. So if, if, if you're a, a smart fan, you're going to get to see dream matches on AEW. that's what he's giving us. And sure. But my, so I'm not saying they're the same, but I'm saying their intent of we're going to cater to the hardcore inside baseball fan, the, the, the smart mark, if you will, the newsletter readers, uh, who know this is just a work bro or whatever. Uh, but Tony Khan has a different approach. He he's not interested in how risque can we get? And how nope. over the line or, or controversial can we get? He's more interested in, Hey, we're going to give you great matches.
3: Matches. But, yeah. But this is writing Tony's wrestling matches. Yes. There you go. But still
0: yeah. it is very much the internet fan. Um, yeah, sure. uh, I just, I think that's interesting. Let's take a listen yeah, to one of these hold
3: on. real, real, real quick, real quick. One thing on that, although one may be script writing one be matches. At the end of the day sort of my whole point that's where I thought you were going is if it doesn't fit into a easily digestible storyline they both fail or they both can succeed.
0: Let's uh let's play a little link here. Uh this is uh the segment where the Voodoo Kin Mafia target Stanford. It's just a couple minutes here but I want you guys to have a listen to what we're talking about for context. <laughs>
4: week two. We came up here for one of two things. You can either sign this cease and desist paper or by God we can go to war. You see all we're doing Vince is the same thing we did when we worked for you. Remember (laughs) CNN Center? Yeah but it's just funnier (laughs) because we're doing it to you. (laughs) Me and Kip, all the wrestling fans around the world, we got two words for you. Stop. Stop. Please. Please. (laughs) Thank goodness you remembered to bring the sound system. Yes. Desperate times cause for desperate measures. Yeah, Let's blast them out of there. Yes. Thank Thanks. you. Right. Which office is his? The corner office.
0: So I hit pause here. Cause you saw Billy Gunn pull a traffic cone out of a trunk where there was a kid laying in the trunk who handed him the traffic cone. So that's the sound system.
4: Paul LaVette, Michael Hickenbottom. Kent McMahon, come out with your pants up. Leave the fat, naked, oily guy in the building and surrender at once. Hold oh, on, I got I want my 20 bucks from four years ago you still owe me. <laughs> Give up now and there will be no further consequences. Come out with your pants up. Look, we're out here. You know who I am. We've been standing out here for about three and a half hours now. The man with the strongest will wins in battle every time. By God, I'm willing to stand here all night long. Hello. Ah, What is it? What is it? I just had a nightmare. Are you okay? Yeah. I had a nightmare that dumb to the extreme of doing something with a fat guy. Was he naked? Yes. Was he putting oil all over himself? You had the same nightmare I did? No, those imbeciles actually shot that segment on their television show. We have to abort. What'd you say? Now you buck up, Private, because you and I are America's last line of defense between that and good television. Now you buck up, you cover up, and you say, good night, John boy, good night, John boy.
0: The- and then for more clips, go to the website. So there it is. In hindsight, it didn't age all that great. It's not that great.
3: <laughs> Punching up, you know, um, I can remember, and uh, because I was reviewing this, Brian would always play it back in his mind. And whether he was talking to Vince or Dutch or me or whoever, he always tried to say, Okay. If you didn't see it back then, does it make sense just as a standalone? And that's not always the easiest line, but silly lines, like come out with your pants up and entertaining BS like that. But, um, there it is. VKM invade Stanford. And, uh, for those folks that are just listening, no, no video, they were actually on the steps right outside Titan towers, um, I can remember when I went back in 2019 and up there during meetings, I could look out at the exact spot that, that the car was at. <laughs> so little stroll down memory lane, if you will.
0: Let's, uh, let's keep it going here. Talk about Chris Sabin. He's going to become the number one contender for the X division title, winning a three-way over Dutt and lethal. And then Sabin would confront the champion, Christopher Daniels, who was doing commentary and then Jerry Lynn comes out and separates the two. Uh, there's talk of putting him back in the ring here, but what was, what was Jerry Lynn's role in this era? Was he a producer or or what
3: have you? I believe he was producing at this point. Um, again, I tried to wreck my brain on that. Probably should have made a couple of calls, but Jerry had neck issues, shoulder issues, health issues. I mean, you know, just beat up through the years. Uh, but you know, he, he was a pioneer of the exhibition and, um, I love old Jerry. He, he ended up moving and living in Nashville state here. Um, still lives here to my knowledge. Uh, and he's, uh, doing well these days.
0: Part of AEW uh, doing their, uh, thing yes. down there and doing a great job. I mean, one of the most universally well-liked guys in the history of the business, wouldn't you agree?
3: Yeah. And when Jerry first started, God, I mean, is that transition Jerry right now in his career was transitioning, you know, from a full-time wrestler to a producer. So I can't tell you if he was taking time off because of an injury, what, what the exact timeline was
0: LAX is shown backstage, viciously attacking, uh, first James storm, then Chris Harris. Uh, so we're trying to get a little edge for LAX here, and then AJ and Mike today have a sit down interview to show off styles, new heel persona. And, uh, we've got a clip of that. It's two minutes, 57 seconds. Let's take a listen.
1: First things first, I have to ask you about this on-again, off-again relationship that you've had with Christopher Daniels. I don't,
5: really? On-again, off-again? I don't really know what you're talking about. Honestly, you've had friends before, I'm sure, I don't know how many you got now, but look, friends argue, we'll get over it, we'll put it in the past,
1: it's not a big deal. You know, to me, the Daniels situation was red flag number one. Red flag number two seems to be this situation with Rhino, what's behind this Mistrust that you have.
5: What do you, I, you know what? I don't know what you're talking about, mistrust, because honestly, it seems like to me that the guy wants something from me. He's always coming around, always putting his nose in my business, and that's, you know, that doesn't settle well with me. I don't know what his deal is. Well, the way I see it, Rhino wants to help you. Well, nobody comes around unless they want something.
1: AJ, look, you and I go back a long ways, and I realize that you came from humble beginnings. You have
5: no clue you because what we're around each other all the time at TNA because you commentate while I'm in the ring busting my butt make sure I keep a job you think you know me well let me tell you a little about AJ Styles now I'm sure it was fashionable when you were growing up to have a, a black and white TV well it wasn't when I was growing up but that's all we had in the trailer with a kerosene here where it could have burnt down around me that's the way it was
1: A.J., I didn't mean to strike a nerve, and I'm sorry I embarrassed you.
5: Embarrass me? You know nothing about embarrassment. Let me, would it embarrass you if you were sick at home or around seven years old and your parents couldn't even be at home with you?
1: A.J., I see a situation here where people like Christopher Daniels, people like myself, and people like Rhino have one thing in mind. That's to help you. Help me? Does it look
5: like I need your help? Where were you back then? Where were you years ago when I really needed somebody? Nobody was there. I didn't need nobody then. AJ, and I don't I didn't, need anybody I didn't now. Even know you, then. you don't know me now.
1: AJ, let's regroup here for a second. Right. Let's-,
5: let's regroup. Let's talk about wrestling. That's it. Nothing else. Something that I love to do wrestling. Just you talk know about what? That. I
1: think there's a situation that's about an awful lot more than oh, just wrestling. Yeah, really? Well, I don't think. It- oh. You know, I was walking by and I
5: overheard some of the things you were saying. Are you just walking by? Yeah, How convenient is that? You know You're just what? walking that's, by. That's not the type of attitude what? to have.
3: What, is it? No, no. Over the last couple weeks, I've been trying to help you out. I don't want to see you go through what I just went through. You know, you talk about your upbringing. You talk about a trailer. Yeah, I'm talking about that. Uh, You talk about your kerosene heaters and black and white TVs. I didn't have it nice when I was
5: growing up. I did things that I could have went to jail for when I was younger. Am I proud of that? No. But I try to tell people that are younger than me, don't make the same mistakes that I've made. Don't go through what I've went through. The difference between me and you is I trust people. (laughs) You know what? Let me ask you something. Go ahead. How is it that you and I keep ending up at the same place at the same time? How does that keep happening? You know what? I don't know, AJ. Well, let me tell you this. The next time it does, There's going to be trouble. Yeah. I'm glad you think that's funny.
0: So there you go. Um, different approach for AJ, different look for AJ. What'd you think of that? Hearing it back for the first time in a long time In a long time.
3: And I liked it. Um, you know, we were growing through the product and trying to give a story. With everything and AJ had been for lack of a better word, the boy next door, um, and, and just as he was maturing as a man, let that reflect on character. And I, I say this knowing that we've got voodoo kin mafia and a bikini contest and all kinds of things, but somewhat reality-based AJ did have a really tough upbringing. Um, and so again, just try and, I don't want to say give him an edge. Cause that sounds so damn cliche or whatever, but just to, to give a little more depth to who AJ Styles the phenomenal one is. And I can yeah, you know, when I watch that back, I just maybe I'm getting too sentimental, but I could just you could just feel him growing as a performer.
0: I don't think you're getting too sentimental. I mean, uh, he he is eventually going to level up from quote unquote just matches and start to become a character. And uh we know nobody wrestles better than him, but in order to be a television wrestler, you're going to have to tell some stories every now and again. And here's a story. Alex Shelley has chlamydia. <laughs> Let's take a listen. This is ridiculous. Please stop mine.
4: putting
5: that so close it's to my face.
4: Stop.
5: What are you guys doing in there? Been on there for like 15 minutes. You done peeing yet? And now you know why. Holy
3: Are cow. you kidding me? Are you all right? All right?
4: Hey, apparently it's hey, not uh, a prostate problem. i
2: lost a big giant SEC championship <laughs> ring somewhere.
4: Champion? Hey, listen, guys, good news is you're all dismissed. See you guys next Thursday. Everybody's test perfect. No anabolic steroids, much to my chagrin. Yes. Woohoo!
0: Bad news is you've got chlamydia. <laughs>
2: the clap. <laughs> <laughs> next week's psychological test. You guys, you three can go ahead and leave. You guys stay behind
4: me to talk to you. Thanks, guys. Great. Super. All right, listen, you guys got that match tonight, right? Uh, do me proud, guys. I know we can get this done. I'm I'm counting on one of you guys. I'll get the W no, for I got you. Don't worry,
5: I'll get the W for you. I'll
4: get two of them. Okay.
5: Go ahead, guys. Take
0: yeah. off. Job, guys. All right. Thanks, guys. Good luck on that. Sure. Take care, guys. I'll get the W for you. I'll get two of them. How great was Alex Shelley when paired with Kevin Nash here?
3: It's real life. Like th- th- at catering, th- they would have such nonsense conversations. And you, if you noticed on the end of that, cause when I watched that back, it's like Kevin, you know, we, we got back to wrestling and at least pointed in that direction, but again, trying to build characters, Austin Aries at this time known as Austin star and Sanjay Dutt and Jay lethal and that X division crew, but Kevin and his paparazzi, nonsense, uh, trying to give a little story to it, but you know, that's on the impact, uh, YouTube channel, but, but uh, you know, Kevin comes out of the examination room. He's got one glove on and he references, I've lost my sec championship ring somewhere. The look on Kevin, (laughs) you're just shaking your head. Oh man. Big daddy. You ever lose a ring in there?
0: (laughs) No, (laughs) Uh No, sir. What do you want to eat tonight? Maybe you want a home-cooked favorite, but don't feel like going to the store. Or maybe you want something exciting and new, but it would be great to stay in the night. DoorDash connects you with everything you want, whenever and however you want. Get what you want to eat right now and right to your door with DoorDash. Along with the restaurants you love, you can now get groceries and other essential items delivered with DoorDash get drinks, snacks, and other household items in under an hour. Craving late night ice cream? Forget that one key ingredient for dinner. Or maybe you just need to stock up for the week. Well, with DoorDash, you can get everything in one app. With over 300,000 partners, you can support your neighborhood go-tos or choose from your favorite national restaurants like Popeye's, Chipotle, and Cheesecake Factory. The ordering is easy. And your items will be left safely outside your door when you choose contactless delivery drop off. For a limited time, our listeners can get 25% off and zero delivery fees on their first order of $15 or more when you download the DoorDash app and enter the code MyWorld. That's 25% off up to a $10 value and zero delivery fees on your first order when you download the DoorDash app in the App Store and enter the code MyWorld. Don't forget that code is my world for 25% off your first order with DoorDash. Subject to change, terms apply. So this leads to a wrestling match. Uh Lance Hoyt, now known as Lance Archer, is going to team up with Ron Killings to defeat Austin Starr and Alex Shelley. Starr and Shelley had the win, but Starr ends up showing the referee that his partner cheated. So they wind up disqualified. Uh, this is also a two minute match. And then we've got uh, Cage and Tomco out next, then Abyss, then Sting. And Sting delivers uh, a big promo here where he's trying to reason with Abyss. And Meltzer would say this The storyline is that when Abyss was a child, something really horrible happened. <coughs> and Tomco <laughs> knew Abyss as a child and knows the secret. <clears throat> and now Christian also knows the secret. Undertaker. And Sting <laughs> asked Abyss why he listened to Jim Mitchell. And Sting even called him Chris. Abyss was asking around in the locker room because he didn't like the idea of his real name being used, thinking it would kill his character. He was told one time that it wasn't that big of a deal. Mitchell came out and said Sting was as evil as Abyss. And Sting told Abyss to make his own choice. And after Sting left, Christian and Tomco attacked Abyss. And Sting made the save. Sting tried to shake hands, but Mitchell slapped Sting and pulled the Abyss away. And the long-term idea is to slow build to an Abyss turn. Dutch Mantell booked something similar in Puerto Rico, and Abyss was pretty over as a babyface. Lot to unpack here. Feels a lot like the whole Kane Undertaker thing, and Sting calling Chris here. I mean, it's not calling him Abyss, calling him Chris, feels like a Russo staple. Where, hey, this isn't a work. We're shooting, brother. <laughs> what do you think of calling Abyss Chris? And then, I don't know, Shades of this Undertaker Kane storyline.
3: So, God, this brought back a ton of memories because it was at times I had to play referee. And, you know, whether it's Abyss or Rhino or Dutch or Vince or anybody that, felt very strongly about it. I, I just thought a lot of times it was completely overthinking it, that the audience is not going to be hung up on it. Um, th- that other times, it, what you just said, inside baseball. And, you know, when, when you gave the analogy of the Undertaker Kane, that, that whole storyline, and Vince was a part of writing that storyline 10 years prior, eight years prior, and now this. Uh, you know, the, one of the thoughts that popped in my brain was, you know, how many invasion angles have been done through the years dating back way early in the territory years in the sixties. Um, we did an invasion angle, uh, with, with the Samoans one time on Memphis TV, but anyway, invasion storylines uh, or, or, you know, love interest storylines. And so in the, in the music business, there are certain songwriters that will write the same type of song and, 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 you know, in the eighties sold it to this artist and that artist in the nineties, the same type song sold that into a different generation of artists. And then in the two thousands. So there's songwriters in this town that, that generally have written the same type song and, but made a fortune on it, made a career on it. However, in wrestling, when you have undertaker Kane and then Abyss Jim Mitchell and different pieces of the puzzle, it can be very critical to the inside baseball fan or the internet fan, but to the general public, I don't think they think too deep into that. And I'm going a long way around to say is I always would try to abyss and whoever else was involved, whether it's Vance or Dutch guys, don't go too deep into this story because the people can't follow it. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> you, people can't follow it. It, it just, it, when you go too deep, you go too deep.
0: LAX finally attacks Petey Williams after it's announced that Petey Williams is going to team with Kurt angle to face LAX for the tag titles until Samoa Joe comes down and makes the save to be in the tag match as per their agreement. So this is like a WWE thing. Mm -hmm. Hey, these guys are in a feud. Let's see if they can coexist as a tag team. Uh, Angle and uh, Joe get the win, but LAX lawyers Max Cornett overturn it because Joe wasn't an actual member of the match. So the titles go back to LAX. So we've got two main events on two consecutive shows with a non-finish. Um, the observer would say, at one point, Angle popped Homicide so hard in the ear that Homicide lost his hearing. He was very upset about it after the match. We recently talked about this over on the Kurt Angle show and Kurt Angle did not know this happened until we told him this year in 2021, do you remember this errant slap and, uh,
3: the repercussions from homicide? I do not. I do not remember this. I don't even remember it being discussed in the following weeks. I that's the first, I don't remember this. What's what's so, crazy
0: is once upon a time, homicide and Carino had a, a barbed wire match in ring of honor, and there was a slap and Carino lost some hearing. So something about these slaps in wrestling guys. Oh, uh, interesting. Don't, don't go slapping I, homicide or don't get catch one from him. Cause somebody's going okay.
3: deaf. I didn't know that about old Carino and homicide,
0: uh, from the torch regarding the ratings TNA impact has drawn disappointing ratings so far in the Thursday primetime spot could be spun as the low end of acceptable. And that's probably fair, but it's still disappointing. It drew a 0.9 rating on Thanksgiving considered solid for the holiday, but only a 1.0 for the debut on a non holiday in the, uh, the one four format. If Dixie Carter has been told Kurt angle, Vince Russo, and to move to primetime would net a mere 0.2 to 0.3 ratings increase. She'd likely be disappointed that said it is a 20 to 30% jump in audience level. So you can translate that into a matching boost in pay-per-view revenues. Now we know that's not going to be the case. Our two best pay-per-views in TNA history are in the rearview mirror, but I do think sometimes people set unrealistic expectations and Jeff, that's a lesson we learned this year too. You guys were thinking, I'm sure, man, we got Kurt angle. And we got Vince Russo, who I, whatever you want to think of him, he, he was once upon a time, the primetime guy, when it came to writing wrestling television. And now you've got the best wrestler in the world and you've got a primetime spot on a big station. I think a lot of people assume, oh man, we're going to double our audience. And that didn't happen. And it also didn't happen this year when a lot of folks, myself included thought, man, now that AEW has Daniel Bryan and CM Punk. The ratings are going to double. I mean, I saw some people predicting, oh, they're going to have 3 million people watching that <laughs> didn't happen. Um, I don't know that it's necessarily a lesson that we haven't seen before. Maybe that I don't always believe that it's an individual talent. That's going to drive the ratings or two individual talents or three. There's gotta be a lot of other things happening with the promotion. And, and we learned that lesson way back here in 06. Uh, do you remember being disappointed or did you have the proper expectation? And maybe some other folks were being a little, uh,
3: overzealous or ambitious. So making the move to prime time, uh, quick recap, uh, came in on a Saturday night off prime, moved to Thursday night off prime. Then when you get into prime, you actually, uh, as you can imagine much more on the radar, when you're into prime time, the ad sales team gets engaged mm. and, With the ad sales team, they didn't call it analytics. That's what uh, I was later taught, the analytics department. But I think it was research or ad sales research or whatever it may be. And when they started looking at it and knowing, okay, what's our primetime average? That's, Conrad, you may be, uh, we're going to go down that history lesson. But, you know, the networks sell primetime average, whatever it may be and you can say demos or you can, you can slice and dice it in 15 different ways, but Monday through Friday or Monday through Sunday or whatever it is, they sell a primetime average. And I knew from the very beginning, we, uh, at least I don't say overperformed, but we were right in there. Spike was super happy and that's all that mattered to me from the day we got the contract. Are you happy with the performance? And Dave and Wade and, Whoever else was writing at the time, they love to create good chatter and ratings is easy chatter. Obviously it went away there for a while, uh, with, with the newsletters, but now it came back strong with AEW, but always that ratings chatter. But, uh, as long as the network was happy, I was happy.
0: That's the right attitude to have, uh, at survivor series, uh, Lita is going to finish up and her contract expires. She's promoting herself as being available for independent bookings. Did you ever have even a preliminary discussion with Lita here in '06? six?
3: I don't recall that I did. I'm not saying somebody from our organization didn't, um, I'm asking this a question, Conrad, what she wanted, wanting to sort of get out of the, I don't say get out of the business. She was, she was done with those guys with, with WWE at the time, right? Like. Yeah, spent. it was,
0: it was pretty bad creative that they sent her out with. I don't think it I think they thought she was going to resign and she didn't. So her last show was on a pay-per-view where crime time comes out and sells bra and panties and an empty box of monostat and a vibrator. I mean, pretty less than awesome way to leave, but she was a heel. So Bruce could still defend it, I guess. But, um, <laughs> She's letting it be known. Hey, I'm available for independent bookings. So I don't think she's necessarily done with wrestling. I think she's just probably done with the WWE system.
3: Okay. I don't recall us having conversations, but I'm not saying it didn't happen.
0: Well, let's, uh, talk about, uh, and this will be the last one I play. I promise the VKM visit to a WWE live event in Knoxville. This aired on impact. Let's take a listen.
3: You're going to love where I'm fixing to take you.
4: Where are we going? In yeah. this monster truck. I think it just ran over a school bus. Knoxville, Tennessee, to a raw live event show. Oh, no way they got yes. a live show in Knoxville and that's where we're going? We have to go talk to the people. We have to. That's just a must. Talk to the fans Yes, there. Talk, to the are talk Are you, to you to sure the there will be any fans there? <laughs> oh, Bless you. <laughs> you got snot all over the steering wheel. Yeah. Right. The Coliseum in Knoxville. We were at your headquarters in Stanford. Heck, we're on the road with you. Only thing we're missing is the dress code and the BKM. wellness program. BKM! 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 Which one? Which one? Michael Hickenbottom yeah, and, and Paul Levesque. Levesque. Yeah, Ladies just, and gentlemen, dumb to the extreme. Yeah, there they are.
3: And they're here to perform another
4: skit this afternoon. We make it throw up. Listen, all we want to do is <laughs> get Paul and If you do not, we will you and shave your butt
0: So there you go. Trying to do our best DX invasion. <laughs> Probably better to just move on. Uh, December 3rd is the night of the infamous disaster known as ECW's December to dismember. It's so bad. Vince and Paul Heyman split ties the next day. Did you watch the show? Do you remember ordering that one? Did you used to get the WWF shows and watch them with some friends or family?
3: I did not watch this one. Uh, please I remember- don't do not. What was so bad about it? I, I, I don't recall. Well, said there was office chatter about it and the chants. And I know there were some chants at Rawls as well, sort of. And I don't want to say during this specific time, but through the years, oh, there was the big TNA chant last night in so-and-so Raw. And I'm like, hmm, that's interesting. But no, I, I don't have uh, any context on that pay-per-view. Well, just one sentence. What was so bad about it?
0: Uh, there was almost no matches announced for the pay-per-view ahead of time. And then it was just sort of thrown together. Um, okay. Not good. Gotcha. Uh, the go home impact for turning point aired on December 7th. It opens with Rhino making an, uh, a challenge to AJ styles, but Christopher Daniels attempts to be peacemaker. And, uh, the observer would say the original script for was for Daniels to call Rhino Terry, which is his real first name. But like abyss, Rhino wasn't happy, so he complained about it even more. And finally, Scott Demore went to the booking committee for him, and got the Terry line taken out of the script. Do you remember that being a uh, a reason for pause for Rhino using his real name?
3: Well, you know, from time to time, I do remember this, but n- not in uh, great detail. But different folks not wanting to do. Gosh, now I'm really. <laughs> You've got me using granular, and now you got me using inside baseball. But yeah. uh, the, the 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 inside uh, jargon, not just on using a business name, and it was much more of a hot button. Can you even imagine that being an issue like in 2021, 2022? I just don't see that. But it's it just shows you to me how the business has sort of changed.
0: Absolutely. And uh, it's not all good change, by the way. Uh, Petey Williams defeats homicide, but afterwards Hernandez destroys Williams with the border toss, which looks pretty damn dangerous. Uh, Mm -hmm. they air more footage, uh, from what we just saw from VKM, Kevin Nash, does psychological tests with the uh, X division. Eric young is uh, doing an interview in the back, talking about how he needs to lose weight for the bikini contest. And he's in the next segment wrestling Sinchi. and he loses when Tracy flashes him, I'm sure Loki loved being involved in all this. Uh, LAX challenge America's most wanted to a flag match at turning point because you know, we need some more gimmicks around here. Uh, and the main event of this TV is called an all-star war. It's six men in one match. Let's go through the names. It's Kurt angle, abyss. Who's the champ sting Christian Samoa, Joe, and Rhino six of your biggest stars in one match. So naturally it's done in five minutes. Uh, angles going to pin Joe for Joe's second pinfall loss in as many weeks. As a reminder, Joe was undefeated here in TNA for 18 months, and now Kurt angle could knock that shit out in about five minutes. Um, yeah. Meltzer says many people have questioned, including fans, what they had on angle pinning Joe on the 12 seven TV show or why they put angle versus sting in the same match to against each other for free as a throwaway with angle, getting two clean wins on Joe. It almost necessitates Joe winning a turning point, And I wouldn't have even booked a rematch between the two until March at the earliest, I can understand the first match right away because of the feeling they needed to do something big to gain immediate momentum coming off of the angle signing. Although I disagree with it because this game is a marathon, not a sprint, but the idea of having their first match and second match and first TV match and two of the three be clean finishes. Their first match as tag team partners, it all happened in a three week span. It feels like, and Meltzer believes quote blowing through a potential seven months worth of storylines in three weeks is never a good thing, especially when you've got nothing as strong to follow in hindsight, would you have booked the fallout from the first match? We know the first match made a bunch of money, set a bunch of records. It's hard to argue with that success, but the follow-up effort Should you have milked a little more money out of this?
3: Do you think charging too hard? And it's the old uh, proverbial, do you go with it when it's hot? And that's a lesson that goes into the territory days. Why let it cool off. You may never get it hot again. So with that mindset, but then you can flip right around and say, yeah, as it reads back, did we really need that tag match? Or did we really need this all-star match with, Kurt and, um, Joe in there. So, I mean, it's, it's, um, look, we could poke holes in everything. Um, and, and yeah, that's talking out two sides of my mouth, but it's, it's so, you know, being in the room is, is is all what it always boils down to. It's why did we do this? And why did we do that? There is no perfect answer, but it does feel, I'll say that. That we probably could have done away with one of them. I like the tag. And yeah, that's one on one booking that, oh, we're going to put them together, see if they can coexist. And that's how they went into the, that's how we started the storyline, uh, episode one, coming off of uh, the pay per view, going into this pay per view. Hey, we're going to battle each other again, but we'll protect each other till we get to the pay per view. Again, it's episodic storytelling writing. It's not easy when you do it 52 weeks a year, but, um, Look at the end of the day, what we did on this episode, I don't think it detracted from us getting a two hour deal. And that was the goal for all of us at this stage of the game.
0: Let's talk about the show. We're finally here. We've talked for two hours. Normally we try to talk an hour before we get to the pay-per-view. We've gone really long. Sorry about that. Boys and girls, uh, we're live at the impact zone. Same 900 fans that are always here, but the show is rated as one of the best TNA shows in history. The readers of the wrestling observer gave it 87.8% thumbs up. Uh, the observers headline of the show. It took all of two shows before the biggest acquisition in TNA history became just another headliner on the show based on our response, which is usually pretty accurate when it comes to TNA, the turning point show will probably do half as many buys as the Genesis show. It's also too bad. Because Turning Point was by far the better of the two shows. So, as a reminder, Genesis did around 60,000 buys. In our research, it looks like this one did about 35,000. And Meltzer has a theory. He says it's really no surprise from a business standpoint. When Sting came in, his first pay per view match did record business for the company, but in subsequent matches, business fell quickly back to normal levels. Angle didn't even spike ratings like Sting's return did, even though angle garnered much more publicity in a sense with the benefit of hindsight that may indicate angle should have debuted against someone other than Joe. And then spent months building to a match with Joe in hopes that they could produce a second buy rate, then spending several months, building a rematch may have resulted in a third buy. now they've rushed and burned out the series and seem to have no discernible plan as to where to go next. The original plan was to bring in an outside shoot fighter for Angle's second big program, but that appears to have fallen through. Perhaps Angle versus Sting could mean something. Angle headlining with Jarrett Cage or Abyss won't mean anything, even with the TNA title at stake. A lot to unpack here, as I like to say. First off, who was the shoot fighter? If I had to guess, it was Daniel pewter.
3: Daniel pewter. Why didn't it work out? Just. I couldn't tell you, I couldn't put my finger on it. Didn't work out. I know Daniel had a lot of things going on in his world. Um, that we, whole raw segment was always fascinating to me, but that's a whole nother story, but.
0: as a reminder, there was a segment on SmackDown where they were doing a tough enough way back when Daniel yeah. Peter was one of the contestants. He had an amateur wrestling background and an MMA background and Kurt angle was supposed to just buzz saw through everyone, but let's remember. He had wrestled a match. He had taken on multiple opponents here and it's happening in a professional wrestling ring, all of a sudden Daniel pewter gets him in a key lock and it looked pretty dangerous. They called an audible Kurt angle still won, so they could keep their planned finish alive, but those who were paying attention knew, Hey, Daniel pewter caught him here now that's not to say Daniel pewter could not wrestle Kurt angle. My God, Kurt angle could wrestle him before he got out of bed, but I'm just saying In that very moment, there was a moment where this unbeatable wrestling machine, just for a second, MMA fans thought, Hey, he could have got him there. So I could see why maybe that made sense, but it's not like Daniel pewter was this mega star to the mainstream. It would have maybe felt a little bit more like what we were talking about, quote unquote, booking for the internet. Yep. But it is an interesting idea. I don't know that either Daniel pewter or Kurt angle would have been interested in doing this, because if I'm Kurt angle, I want to win strong based on what happened before. And if I'm Daniel pewter, I, I might want to say, you know what, let's hold out on the off chance. He really does want to explore MMA one day and I want to beat him for real. And as a result, nothing happened, but I don't know how the business fell apart if that was ever even seriously discussed.
3: I had probably and one lengthy one was at the end of my, one of my creative days that I had with Daniel and I like Daniel. Um, but I, I always went back to Daniel Kurt our top star. That's who we're going with. Yeah. And we have to tell this story. What is the story? You cannot now look, I'm, I'm going on the other side. The DX story was an iconic moment of the invasion. The Daniel pewter, Kurt angle. Most people didn't even realize it was a, it wasn't a story. It was a bit blip part of a segment that was never discussed. So we got to tell a fresh story. we got to tell a new story. Are you interested in that? And we've got to come down to business, D- Daniel. I'm not saying he's not a businessman cause he is a businessman, but the wrestling component of a businessman non-existent.
0: Oh man. Uh, let's talk about business here for a minute. I feel like man, there's a lot of little quotes you could give about paying attention to history and repeating it. But man, sting and angle, come in, do big numbers right away, and then back to the normal level. Yep. That was the story in 06 dot, dot, dot. Uh, were you disappointed when the buy rate came in? I mean, did you feel like, Hey man, we got some momentum or had you been around enough to know, well, the first one's a curiosity buy. We won't keep them all, but if we could just be higher than we were before, we're still winning.
3: I, you know, the bound for glory numbers came in great e- elated the following month. We kind of had it in our gut. That's going to follow up very, very well. It, the I don't call it curiosity factor, but you know, angle Joe. Oh, it been, I mean, that wasn't a one month build. Literally Joe had a 18th month story. He was undefeated. And now this guy's going to, you know, Kurt angle, who is a megastar, so we came with back-to-back months. We knew it was going to be a fall-off. You just can't have three in a row, or, or history tells you that. The disappointment, really, and we'll get into it another in of my worlds, was in two thousand and seven when we sort of saw and and the, the, you know you'll as we'll discuss that that we couldn't get over the pay-per-view hump, um, at all. And so this is the. This is December, correct? This is the December, not a good month for pay-per-view. So, you know, again, whether it's an excuse or a rationalization or just a a denial, we knew there would be a drop-off. We just knew. But we got to put our best foot forward and make as much money as we can because at this stage of the game, and, and Conrad, you've always done a good job of this, but at this stage of the game, we have an investor who wants his money back. And I never lost sight of that. I mean, that, that, that is a ongoing real discussion of, okay, Jeff, I invested in this brand and I didn't put a hundred thousand dollars I put millions into it. I want my money back. And did I want him to get his money back? Hell yeah. And the number one reason I wanted Bob Carter to get his money back, because if he got his money back, I started to getting, I would be able to get not just bonus checks, profit sharing. And so there lies the, the sort of the whole complete, it kills the, uh, the myth and the illusion. Jeff started a wrestling company to make him champion. I wanted to make money. And that investor that, that continually had his hand out and rightly so I want my money back. That just puts a whole nother light on every and all decisions that were made. Okay. Why did you follow up? You know, and Dave, Dave, I would have waited seven months. Oh, would you, if your investor wants his money back, would you Dave? Hell no, he wouldn't have, he just wouldn't have.
0: Let's talk about the pre-show match here. Ron killings, Lance Hoyt. They're going to team up to beat Serotonin, which is Frankie Kazarian and Johnny Devine and Matt Bentley. Easy for me to say Bentley Bentley. Uh, this was the pre-show match, uh, Meltzer would write, Divine was given a new look with black face paint around his eyes. Kazarian was pinned after a high kick by Hoyt and an axe kick by Killings. Supposedly, Bentley was the one who was supposed to do the job because Sting was beating Kazarian on TV and they wanted Raven to cane all of them. But someone wrote down the wrong name on the paper, got them mixed up, and wrote down Kazarian's name here. So Raven caned Kazarian four times after the match. This is a hilarious story. If this is true, that the wrong guy took the pen and we did the wrong finish because whoever wrote it got the guys confused. Please tell me that's real.
3: (laughs) I, I, I I have no grounds to say that it wasn't an accurate story. So in a production meeting in those days to give you the, uh, uh, behind the story, uh, the story behind the story, Mike tonight led all production meetings. Uh, I didn't, I didn't think it was, I always thought it's really good. If the announcer can explain the story to the room, it's almost a dry run that you've got to explain production and this shot and that shot. Look, it's all a collaborative effort, but Mike led all the meetings, but, um, however the finishes and, and going around, you know, going through production meetings, uh, today would look over at me or, or, or Dutch or Vince or somebody and say, just to be clear on the sheet, it says for this discussion, uh, divine is, uh, supposed to drop the fall. Correct. You know, so somehow it got lost in translation and that's what happened.
0: Match number one, since she wins a five-way X division match over Alex Shelley, Austin star Sanjay Dutt and Jay lethal, they go 1438. They're calling this part of the PCS, which of course is a spoof on football's BCS. And uh Meltzer would say Nash did commentary and made it all common comedy, easy for me to say, mostly accusing Dutt of taking steroids. He pointed to the tape on his bad shoulder as an example of a steroid-related injury. Late in the match, he started talking about how the steroids were causing Dutt to blow up. <laughs> the stuff is funny, but they've buried all these guys except Shelley in the skits, so they come off as the butts of the joke. Ultimately, Star misses the 450. Since she pins him with a cradle, good opener, three and a quarter stars, buddy. We're nothing if not heavy on entertainment here. And I know this isn't for a lot of people and I know it's not positioning these guys to be the stars that maybe they, they would be today in 2021, but just brushing up against Kevin Nash made it for entertaining television. But I know I I could see how these guys, especially a couple would be very offended. That man, I'm out here working my ass off doing innovative shit. Nobody else in the back could do. And you are out here making a fucking funny. Ha ha.
3: Did anybody have any issues with this? Look, none of them to my, you know, that would come, well, look, I'm not saying they wouldn't come to it, but here's sort of where the rubber meets the road as we're doing these podcasts and we're reporting what Keller or Meltzer said, or, or an article, but when you. I challenge you, if you scratch in your head, like, oh my God, Nash, you know, he's making fun of it. No, go watch the reaction. And they tore the house down. It, it didn't hurt any reactions. And Dut was over and all those X division guys, you know, maybe, or maybe not. This is debatable. Not to me. It helped because it put a spotlight on those guys. Was it a silly story? Sure. But they're in ring action. And I told this many, many times. Your in-ring action will speak for itself because you do stuff that nobody else on the car is going to do
0: next up, a bikini contest with Tracy Brooks and Eric young, you want to talk about
3: it? <laughs> well, so when you first hear, okay, bikini contest, but it's not just TNA tits and ass at all, because we have a guy in there and Eric young. The the, the the comedy relief of the show. And he was always on this narrative of uh, don't fire Eric and he's job scared and this and that. And he played it to a T and he was so endeared to the impact zone fans. And, um, just it, it's so outlandish for a bikini contest to take place between a female and a male. But to me, this is the fun part of sports heavy on the entertainment side of things. And, uh, the whole deal was that Eric young got a huge crowd reaction, no matter what he did, big time babyface, and Bobby Roode's character storyline was he wanted the people to like him, like, like to like Eric. So he, they wanted to, we, we did devise a storyline where Eric would basically end up quote unquote working for Bobby in, in, in rude Inc. And, and he'd have Tracy and Eric. And so, you know, Tracy doesn't want Eric around because she wants the spotlight. And so as outlandish vaudeville as it would be, we end up having a bikini contest and we tell the story. And Eric first, as they come, Tracy lets go of her gown and she's got on this two-piece negligee. And the people, even though she's a heel, they, they cheer, uh, but not through the roof just because she's a heel. And then you have Eric and folks, I challenge you, go back and watch this on their YouTube channel. It's. I think very entertaining because Eric first comes out of his bathrobe and it's an old grandma bathrobe and he's sitting there with a t-shirt on, but it's got like a bikini painting on it. So it looks like he's in bikini. So he's about to be declared the winner. And Bobby Roode says, no, 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 that that's not really a bikini. So he strips to his boxers and now the people think he's going to win again. And now he's going to get disqualified because he doesn't actually have a bikini on. And at the very end of it, Eric strips down to just a speedo bikini. That's SpongeBob square pants. And Eric wins. The man wins the bikini contest with referee slick Johnson raising his hand.
0: And on that note, let's talk about some wrestling. Uh, Christopher Daniels is going to piss uh pin, not piss Chris Sabinoff. Uh, boy, let me just start that sentence again. It's been a long day, boys and girls. Christopher Daniels pins, Chris Sabin in 1227 to retain the X division title. Jerry Lynn was the referee. Uh, Meltzer would say the crowd was quieted quiet at times. we got to wrap this show up. I, I'm apparently, uh, off the rails, three-star match, but Meltzer would say it looks like they're building towards a, a three-way feud here because, uh, we would eventually see Lynn slap Daniels and they have a pull apart. This is a lot of transitioning here. We got some incredible athletes in a five way, but mostly comedy commentary. Then we've got a bikini outfit contest. And now we've got Christopher Daniels and Chris Saban with Jerry Lynn as the ref, I'm not saying it's not entertaining, but man, we we, got something for everybody on this show
3: at wrestling. Couldn't follow that bikini contest. Watch it back. It'll tell you. So, uh, if that tells you what was more entertaining to the studio audience, I'll just leave it at that.
0: Next up, something a little different. Jim Cornette comes to the ring to introduce David Eckstein and his brother. Um, we're going to do like a, an MVP World Series trophy presentation. And uh, well, Torberg's going to punch Eckstein. And they have an X Division replica belt. Lance Hoyt makes the save. The idea is we're trying to get footage from this show on ESPN.
3: How well did it work? Big time. And look, is it a little a fish out of water as if the bikini contest? No, the bikini contest it was storyline driven. This is Dale Torberg and we were using him. But but look, the Eckstein was a, 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 fr- a friend of the brand and he just came off winning the, the World Series and his brother was engaged. But look, AJ Prasinski, who went on and is a big time. Uh, Fox broadcaster. He was engaged in the show. Great guys, uh, awesome baseball players, Um, AJ uh, gift to gab, but this is all by design to create awareness for the brand. Again, limited funds, super limited funds, trying to make noise outside of our Thursday night time slot. And it worked major massive coverage in St. Louis um, Detroit, Orlando, uh, you know, some big time major league markets, but it it was an easy ESPN piece. And we serviced this for weeks to come. So it is, look, it's a pay-per-view people have already paid their money and we did it to do exactly what we got out of it. Create awareness for the brand. Is it spot on storyline? No, but it, it, it it did exactly. And then some, it did more than it, it, it overachieved as far as at least getting the name TNA out there.
0: Meltzer was pretty critical here saying when Vince McMahon brought in Mr. T and Cindy Lauper, and I'm not trying to compare the baseball players with them, but he didn't use Mike Sharp in the angle. Granted Vince Russo sees something in Hoyt and wants to push him, but they should have learned from last year that if you get mainstream publicity, you want to use your main names for the pub and not throw it to the preliminary guys because nobody else wants it. So I never thought I would hear iron Mike Sharp compared to uh, Lance Hoyt. But pretty, uh, harsh criticism here from Meltzer. Why was Lance chosen and not maybe a former WWE name that ESPN might
3: recognize in a lot of ways, a little bit of a theory or psychology or philosophy. We're going to get picked up mainstream, not because of the talent, but because of the, the, the baseball players. So let's give somebody some exposure mm-hmm. that we're trying to build and Vince Dutch, myself and others, we were always fans of Lance, but just, just I, you know, I, I think the effort was there on both sides. It just never clicked it, the maturity as a performer, but you know, we, we, we could have put, and I'm just using his argument's sake, put a, uh, a, a Christian or a Kurt Angle in that slot, but do they really need it? No, we're going to get exposure because of the Major League Baseball players. Let's give somebody that hey, there's an impression. Hey, look at that big cool guy wrestling, and maybe that helps him down the road.
0: Uh, next up, AJ Styles pins Rhino at 7:31. The match starts backstage when uh, Styles attacks Rhino as so he's doing his pre-match promo, and they're even going to brawl in the stands for a few minutes before the bell sounds. At one point, Styles whips Rhino into a wall and he breaks the wall. Uh, the finish saw Rhino backdrop Styles over the top rope. Styles is selling it like he's hurt his knee. They have the refs and trainer come down, but Styles is mad. He's uh, mad he couldn't continue. And just when it's about to be called off, Styles runs in the ring. Schoolboys Rhino holds the tights and gets the pin. And then he runs around to make it clear he was never hurt. Rhino chased him to the back after the match. The finishing spot was well done. And then I think most of the people thought the injury was legit two and a half stars, really good job by AJ here. He's known as being the wizard in between the ropes, but man, he's telling a story right here. Is he not?
3: Yeah. And he did it really good. Um, again, that, that that impact zone setting, look, would w- we have loved to be able to afford and draw around the country, but these are one of those deals that the, the, the impact zone was. Sp- it was uh, such a g- great vibe, and they had watched AJ, you know, through years, or you know, at this point, three years. But when he did this, it 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 felt real. Pardon that, but felt real. And then when he gets up and runs in, it was he pulled it off very well.
0: <laughs> Homicide and Hernandez beat Harris and Storm in a non-title flag match that goes ten forty-two. And Meltzer would say it was better than last month. And the rules were you had to take your flag as opposed to capture your opponent's flag. And then use a ladder to hang the flag up to win it. And then your Anthem would be played. We would see uh, Gail Kim use a top rope moonsault to the floor on homicide years before Charlotte did it. Gail Kim was doing it here in TNA. Uh, (laughs) then we would see homicide, do a diamond cutter off the ropes on Harris. Lots of big stuff here. It looks like Mm -hmm. Petey's even going to give Conan a, a Canadian destroyer, but someone makes the save. Eventually Hernandez gets an opening to hang the flag and he does. James storm is furious about losing uh, Harris is selling Kim is screaming at storm and, uh, they're playing the national anthem for Mexico, but Meltzer would say this did not get the desired reaction. There was a little bit of booing, but most of the fans stood at attention and some turned their backs. If there's going to be heat, there wasn't because this audience wasn't going to have the knee jerk reaction of booing a foreign Anthem. And it dissipated away the focus of storm and Harris storm said that Harris had let the team down and the country down and demanded an apology on impact for causing the Mexican Anthem to be played three and a quarter stars. So the execution was good, but it just fell flat with the crowd.
3: What'd you think? Over storytelling in a way, and it, it missed the mark, uh, again, with the impact zone. And, you know, so we'll say, and I don't want to give a percentage, but again, Dave, you know, as it was, you know, people actually disrespecting another country's anthem is just not going to work. Lesson learned, uh, no matter how much of a storyline it may be that plus I would, would assume in Orlando quite a few non U S citizens in the crowd uh, although it was pay-per-view Sunday. Uh, so it, it's, you know, and, and, in every pay-per-view, uh, people would be lined out and our regulars often would get turned away because universal had, uh, basically they had, a it was a mandate from the very top that, uh, we had to let some park guest in every show, no matter how many regulars or locals showed up. Uh, but no, it, it, you know, it just hit the mark, uh, also, in the psychology of it is again trying to tell, tell too many stories. We were beginning the dissension between Chris and James of America's Most Wanted, and that was on the back end of this. And you know, Gail, a rock star because she's not wrestling the matches every week. You put her out there, and she's doing flips and off the top and everything. A lot to digest, I'll say, out of this entire story.
0: Let's, uh, let's hustle through these last two segments here. We've got the voodoo kin mafia out to, uh, make a so-called $1 million challenge to Paul, Levesque and Michael Hickenbottom, but they're not challenging them to a wrestling match. They want a shoot match. Meltzer would say on the surface is completely lame, but BG. James does such a great job in the promo. It really wasn't bad live. The crowd went nuts when he said that if they don't accept the challenge, that Vince McMahon is a gutless piece of shit. James later had to apologize for swearing and may have been fined. During the angle, he mentioned how the offensive line coach, using a southern drawl to mimic Jim Ross, said that Vince McMahon doesn't care about what they were doing and would likely ignore it. And supposedly, BG wanted to specifically talk about the legal threats WWE had to send TNA over this angle, but he was told that, uh, or by management, don't bring it up. So, a lot to unpack here. They're coming out, making a whole skit of it. I think it's like a 10 minute segment and it's on pay-per-view. We've talked about it a lot. Is there anything else to add before we move on?
3: Well, you know what, just to say that I can remember, um, it ruffled feathers in Dallas, the language, the the time again, the whole premise was to create noise, which it did, but the payoff, but you know, Brian got out of bounds a little bit. He was heavily invested emotionally in the angle, which is another thing that I think Meltzer Doesn't allude to, but I think that's why he did. Brian was highly engaged and highly emotional. We'll leave it at that.
0: I want to mention the torch, put a button on it a week later after James rant on Sunday's pay-per-view, which included harsh unscripted language. As soon as he got backstage, he said, in effect, go ahead, find me. I got carried away. Yep. James was given a list of around eight bullet points of items to discuss, but the exact wording wasn't scripted for him. During his speech, everyone backstage was gathered around the monitors to watch and listen. A lot of people in TNA are keeping a close eye on Dixie Carter, seeing how she reacts to the situation as this is her first time getting the full court legal press from WWE. Does she have a stomach for the fight or will she just prefer to lay off and stick to the family friendly, non-controversial product that she has preached about promoting? Did uh, Wade pretty much get it right there?
3: Yeah, it was highly controversial. Dallas was not happy. He reported it pretty accurately. Uh, I don't think I'll give Dixie props and credit on that. She never minded any of this. Um, She just didn't. Uh, But, yeah, that's pretty accurate. Brian, I do remember chuckling. He's like, hey, dude, do what you got to do. Fire me. Find me. His old line. I was looking for a job when I found this one, guys, you know, that, that was the the mindset again, highly engaged and very emotional because of where he was at in his life. It's, it's, it's completely a, a different set of circumstances. You know, Brian was arguably top three baby face eight years prior, and now he's in a, you know, just a tag team and, and trying to trying to make noise eight years later.
0: So here we go. We've got, uh, abyss retaining the NWA title in a three-way over Christian cage and Sting in just under 12 minutes. <laughs> there's going to be some referee bumps, but there's no DQs. Uh, they're even going to use thumbtacks. Abyss is going to have his face go into the thumbtacks. They're going to use chairs and Meltzer would call it overbooked. He says the thumbtack spot has been so overdone. Nobody cares. And the match had a lack of heat plus this kind of match makes the nwa title seem like a joke star in one quarter What say you jeff
3: yeah uh, look um sting and abyss had great chemistry um sting you know he's told me before you know whether and I'm, I'm not trying to compare the two but but sting liked to work against a vader an abyss bigger monster type guys um but Again, the monthly episodic pay-per-view and thumbtacks. And look, I think Abyss would tell you to this day um, that, you know, being so heavily invested, you can overproduce anything. But when you have tables, ladders, and chairs, and I'm not saying literally just with all the different moving parts, but then you put the, 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 the main championship injected into that, everything can lose context. And it did from time to time, um, wasn't for lack of effort on any of those, but yeah, overbooked would probably be a good way to sum that up.
0: The main event go out of your way to see it. If you're going to watch one thing on here, it's Samoa, Joe and Kurt angle. So, you know, it's good. And this time it's Joe's turn. Joe gets a tap out win with a choke in 1917. It seems like at least to start the match, the fans are more behind Samoa, Joe, but nobody's really booing anybody. Uh, they have one hell of a match eventually. Joe has his back turned angle is going to kick Joe hard low in the no, no. And then he goes outside to get a chair, swings it at Joe misses, hits the top rope and knocks himself out with the chair on the rebound. Meltzer would say the three Stooges spot was all wrong for this spot in the match, but it's one of angles, favorite spots and leading to losses. Joe then got the choke again. And this time angle tapped fans started chanting one more time and rematch. Technically, because this was longer, it was more dramatic than match one match. One had more heat In most other ways this match was better, but I thought the ref bump and the chair shot took down the intensity of the finish. Still another excellent match Four and a quarter stars. It is kind of funny to think about this match that everybody wants to see. And we're doing the three stooges but I didn't know until I read it in the observer that apparently that's one of Kurt's favorite finishes. Do you remember that spot being discussed or debated?
3: Not yes. Discussed, not debated. And look, you can like, if you really want to break down professional wrestling, the act of throwing somebody into a steel cable and they bounce off. That's very cartoonish. There's nothing real about that. I've never, ever seen, other than a cartoon of professional wrestling, a guy get thrown into a steel cable and bounce off the ropes. So referring to it as the Three Stooges spot, I get it. I'm not even disputing it. But the way Kurt Angle in his really, and I call these his prime years, like how good he was at making things look so damn good, yeah, you can call it Three Stooges, but you can also call it great professional wrestling drama. Yeah. And I mean, you know, I, 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 so am I defending it not being a Three Stooges? Look, you can call it anything you want. But when Kurt is really on his game and really thought through, and yes, it's got to have a good story coming up to it. But I believe the last, I think Shawn Michaels has this gift. I think Kurt Angle has this gift. I probably could come up with a few more. But when you talk down to the money part of the match, whether it's the last three minutes, last seven minutes, shit, some of those Kurt matches or Shawn Michael matches, the last 10 to 12 minutes when you, John Cena can can do this. I mean, when you really get into the money part of the match, God, Kurt Kurt can really lay it out. I appreciate you saying that because it's one of my favorites. Go out of your way to watch it. It's a hell of a match.
0: It really is. And, and I want to ask is Kurt angle in your opinion going heel too soon, or have you done as much as you could without having more clearly defined? This guy's a baby face. This guy's a heel. If we're going to build to a rubber match, we need to put some heat on it. Let's make one of the guys hateable.
3: Tell you what Conrad, this is the downside. Um, well, I'll call it to the impact zone because. When you travel around the country, around the world, you're in front of different audiences every night, and you can get a sense of how the people are responding real time. Like during the pandemic, not really having that instantaneous feedback, I, I think is very hard to produce content because like, you don't know who's over and who's not. Exactly. So so but the Orlando, you know, it's one thing to have park, but when you mix in the locals and 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 you could get a pretty good read. We just felt that, and looking at our roster, Kurt is a guy that can go, he can be a heel or a baby face, but you never really produce any fruit if you keep flip-flopping a guy. But looking at the roster, we sort of took a step back and go, Sting ain't going to be a heel. He's, he's sort of our top baby face. And Kurt came in and Jeff slipped out. So Kurt probably needs to fill over here in this heel persona and as the years went along and the main event mafia you know kurt really anchored into that um so we we didn't want to do it too too, too fast but on the other hand we we knew joe is this unbeatable persona of a homegrown guy that we want him to be the babyface. so i hope i answered your question there but we were definitely heading in that direction
0: Here's something from the torch. We got to follow up on the Joe versus angle match was given 25 minutes of pay-per-view time to fill, including ring introductions. It filled the time. Well, their first match at last month's pay-per-view ran short because angle called for it to end early, presumably because he wasn't in cardio shape from his time off, Jeff Jarrett pulled them aside after the last pay-per-view and chewed them out for going short, telling them it was an important show for them and there could be backlash for it being less than 15 minutes. Everyone was thrilled with the match this time around. Tell me about chewing out angle and Joe from the show before this. And was that discussed going into this one? And is that why you prefer this one?
3: Oh, Conrad, you just know that's me. Come here, Kurt. Come here, Joe. I'm going to just start chewing y'all's ass right now.
0: Well, you're known for chastising people. It's not me. (laughs) That's you.
3: So, um, look, the anticipation of the, the first Joe angle was through the roof not only in the arena, but backstage as well. And I could remember I went from the truck and I always did this on matches that were going to have some time. I would go from the truck to the gorilla position or go position to right around the corner where I could watch it live. And I always did that just trying to get a vibe. And I was at the watching it live when I knew they were going into their, you know, go home, um, uh, sequence in match one. And I had seen, and it wasn't Kurt out of shape. And if you go back and watch it, I think brother Samoa Joe hadn't been in a 15-minute battle in quite some time. He had won a lot of three-minute and five-minute matches. So Joe hadn't had any lengthy matches. That's at least what my perception was and what I chalked it up to. But Joe, and look, working with Kurt, you better be ready. So Kurt was in shape, and I'm going to just say that Joe... Wasn't ready for that type match. Not that look in nerves and and bringing everything to the table, but I was very concerned. And I don't even want to say disappointed. I was very concerned that we gave them this big money match. Look, people at home didn't know they went home early, but I didn't feel like we 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 gave the audience enough time to sink into because they did go home early. Match one. Now fast forward to match two. Both guys were aware of it put in a, probably a couple of transitions to make sure you could get your breath and be ready for it, all that. But, um, there was no chewing out, but I was, they were concerned too. And I don't say they apologized, but they understood. But, uh, match two, man, they tore the house down. Overall, thumbs up, thumbs down, thumbs in the middle. Huge for me. I thought the entire show was big time thumbs up because it had a little bit of everything, but the in ring last match over-delivered and that's what you have to have for a good show. The latch match has to over-deliver.
0: I think you could line up these three pay-per-views bound for glory, Genesis and turning point and say, at least to me, this was peak mm-hmm. TNA. Wow.
3: How about that? How about that?
0: Next week though, we're going to be talking about something a little different oh How boy. about a match with Eric Embry. Oh yeah! For the world class light heavyweight championship, I know you're thinking, "What the hell are you talking about?" Super Clash Three is what we'll be talking about next week, and you get all these shows early and ad free over at AdFreeShows.com. But what I'm most excited about talking about next week is how we have uh, secured the best domain around, Eric and Jeff Live.com. We're coming to St. Louis on January 29th. Pick up your tickets. Come hang out with Jeff and Eric, and watch them quarrel and bicker fight and fuss and carry on, ask him any question in the world, ask him about Batista. I bet Jeff knows, uh, lots of questions out there that wrestling fans want to know, and you get your chance to ask those questions, uh, on January 29th at Eric and Jeff live.com. Jeff and Eric com. Did you buy that while we were on the program?
3: Damn right. I did. I love you did for you that. Get up? You I, see me get up.
0: Hang on. Hang on. Let me look at this. Jeff and Eric live.com.
3: I'll be damned. It works. Hey, can you go call brother Silva and ask him? Cause he said, aren't you recording? Aren't you recording? I love you for that. I said, Jeff and Eric.com. And I'm sure,
0: I'm sure you said, Hey, I'll meet you. Silva. If you do this for me, I'll meet you at the (laughs) elephant door with some tortillas and, uh,
3: jalapenos. Mm -hmm.
0: But we know from seeing it firsthand, he will not bite directly into that jalapeno ever again.
3: Never. (laughs) (laughs) Nothing like
0: You know, we uh, we talked about booking wrestling for the internet crowd being too inside. We're about as inside as we can get on this show.
3: Yes, we are today. Damn, Conrad! How did we get so long-winded at the top? I don't know. Talk- I, I've
0: missed three business appointments. I probably lost 30 grand running long. So I, I hope, <laughs> I hope it was worth it for you guys. Uh, we, we would love to have your support over at adfreeshows.com. Maybe we can offset it or we can sell some damn tickets Eric know. and Jeff live, or Jeff and Eric live.com either live. way, yeah. but yeah. serious business. If you haven't seen it, go out of your way to see the main event. Samoa, Joe Kurt angle, turning point, 2006 a great match (laughs) and we'll see you next week right here
5: on my world john brings his skewed sense of humor jeff brings tips to cut strokes off your next round together